The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. <laughs> we are back after a week's uh, um, movie protocol, which we will get into in a minute, which actually I forgot to mention that. So I guess we'll start off with that first. Um, yep. But before that, I am your host, Ryder Cat, uh, and uh, you can find me at Ryder Cat on Twitter. You can find me at Newsnet's Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. South Carolina with Columbia down the way. And the following effects you've heard come from none other than our man in Brooklyn, one agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? Brooklyn be the place where I certain things. Right, and you can find this here podcast on the Coastal the Podcast Network, the CSPN.us. Do it today. Uh, you can also find us on your podcast for a place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coastal of the Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. Make sure to hit like and subscribe and give us all the five-star positive reviews. Um, folks, like I said, we have, uh, we, we, we didn't have a show last week because we were on movie protocol for that Marvel insect movie, which is being Ant-Man and the Wasp, uh, quantum mania. And we are going to go into some, well, it's been a week, but we'll, we'll go into some spoiler lights. Cause super actually, light, super light. I'm going to ring the spoiler bell anyway in case you want to just completely avoid all spoilers. So, discussion of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania incoming in three, two, one. Here they come. So, uh, I have a few thoughts. Okay, go for it. Kind of just simple things. Mm-hmm. They were not joking when they subtitled this movie Quantum Mania. That was so apt that something went that something when I was watching it, I literally like elbowed my buddy and said, "They weren't kidding when they said Quantum Mania." Now were they? We all had a good laugh about it. Indeed, indeed. You yes. know, um, because if the trailer didn't tell you anything, it's definitely all set in the quantum realm, or mostly set in the quantum realm. Um, it's, uh, I, not to jump ahead to the, to the, to the end of it, but, uh, or not to the end of what I think about it, but I'm not still sure how I feel about it. It's, uh, I'll tell you in very broad strokes, I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. It is a very different Ant-Man movie from the first two. 
vastly mm-hmm. different. And obviously they use it as a vehicle for the introduction of Kang the Conqueror. And I think they do a pretty good job of that. Mm-hmm. I think, though, that in terms of developing the Ant-Man character and the Ant-Man family of characters, I felt that it was a little lacking. A little. Okay. A little. But I feel that overall I enjoyed the movie. Uh, I'll tell you that my personal highlights were um, Kang, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer still getting it done. Okay, as Janet still. Okay. Still getting it done. <laughs> and um, this iteration, this version of Modoc had me <laughs> giggling and laughing sometimes uncontrollably in the theater uh-huh. every time Modoc was on the screen. I literally just, I couldn't even hold it in sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so the so, funny part so the funny part about that before you before you keep going was that it makes so sense given the first movie and the 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 character that ends up being uh Modoc from that cuz like okay it makes total sense coming from the right. end of that movie from there so I was like all right cool it's it's not the version you know but it is a version and and, and it and it works out in here exactly so I'm sorry you were saying no, 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 no. And I think that's essentially that's essentially like my biggest positive takeaways. I think that, you know, I, I've heard a couple of podcasts and a couple of reviews, and I'm not so keen on the portrayal of Cassie. Um, mm-hmm. I feel that uh uh Evangeline Lilly as the wasp uh was basically pointless in this movie. And um let me see what else was I not really so keen on. Oh, no Luis. That's a big spoiler. Yes. No Luis. We did get um a other dude, you know, in a way, but uh yeah, you know, we didn't get right. Luis. Right. No Luis. I was very disappointed by I that. Know. I know. and it it was I, I felt that too, because I was like, yeah. Like all the way to the end, there's two I was about to say this there's, there's a mid credit and a post credit. No, Louise. I was waiting to see Louise. I was right. like, please, at the end of this, have right. Louise come up. Right. And the other person that we do get that was, that's been in the first two movies doesn't even play the character that they from that movie. In fact, I thought it was a totally different other person. Right. Right, 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 right. Because right, I right, legit right. thought that was the, the character they played was Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> right. And, and what's funny is that I think, I want to say, I think the character, the Baskin-Robbins manager, is the returning character. He is, yes. Right, that so that's cool, but that's not the returning character I wanted. Right, I wanted Louise. I and I am with you one hundred percent on that. I was like, yeah, this this movie was definitely lacking in lacking in uh, Louise. Yeah. <laughs> At least to come back for oh yeah, so you tell me to something something just you know. just a cameo. We got a you know we we got a Randall Park cameo. I was like, hey, yeah, we did, but I feel like that was. It, it wasn't used footage because it was it was new, but I felt like it. It when I first saw it, I was like, "What is this? They just reused something from the last movie?" But no, not really. So, no, but yeah, but it was I good to see him to though, see regardless. So, I was like, "Jimmy Woo!" Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was a good part. Now, positives for me. Uh, what's her face? Gentora. 
Oh, goodness. That was a major positive for me. They give her, you know what? They can give her uh, her, her own movie for all I care. And, and, and get um, uh, Quacks or whatever his name is. And, and you know, some of the mother was in there. But yeah, give her her own movie. Um, I don't know. It was kind of weird to me that it was like, okay, the first person that, that Kang comes, well, I guess technically second, but the, the first person that Kang comes up against is Ant-Man. Mm-hmm. One and two, you. I find it funny because at the end of the movie, it feels like he was uh channeling a little bit of his um Creed, <laughs> his Creed uh persona because he's you know he was training for that movie that he's doing also. So I right. felt like a little bit of that kind of came up at the end. I'm like, okay, so y'all just turned this into a boxing match? Like, was not, not even a it was a one sided boxing match at that. I laughed so, at that. I was like, okay. But, right. you know, what, what made me laugh uh, uh, a little bit about that is we all know that Kang, uh, you know, being introduced in an Ant-Man movie of all places was going to be a little tricky. Right. right? We all know that was going to be a tricky sell. And I feel like we've seen major characters debut, you know, major villain characters debut like that. Oh, sure. In, in offbeat ways and in offbeat titles. But. I think what sold it is that Kang doesn't intrinsically have powers. Right? Okay, sure. He doesn't intrinsically have powers. So right. I feel that uh I think I, I feel that it was an appropriate place to introduce him. Meaning that's just that, my, that's my no, feeling. That makes sense because he's like basically becoming into getting the the powers we will know him to have by the time this whole saga is over with. Right. And even, even, you know, but at the end of the day, he doesn't technically have, you know, he just has technology. He doesn't have, huh, yeah. like he has abilities. Like he's uh, like a master combatant because he knows how to use all these weapons and he's trained under all these, uh, uh, masters and so on and so forth. He's like a time traveling Batman, you know? <sighs> sure. Yeah. Sure. 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 We didn't get the, um, we definitely did get the the tie to another long-standing Marvel character that we were expecting. But then again, I wasn't expecting that to happen because I don't think I I don't know if when or if we'll ever get that. You know, or if they're going to tie Kane to someone else, lineage-wise. Right. I mean, there's still so much of Kang's story to tell. That mm-hmm. all is you know fodder for stories down the line. I think. Right, and I think the one thing that was a bummer to me, but I think that that the the last um, um, uh, end credit scene uh, kind of sets up that um, someone else from his life was going to come, which I thought was going to come up somehow in this movie, did not. But I see there must be saving that for um, um, Loki, if if uh, if I'm if I'm guessing right. Because there was because uh, uh, there was somebody who had left at the end of the the first season of Loki, in search of, um, and I guess they're gonna leave it there, which is kind of a bummer, but it is what it is. That mm-hmm. being said, like I kind of enjoyed the movie too, but I'm still kind of I don't know parts about it, parts of it kind of annoyed me, and that and that is outside of the no Luis part of it, and I can't really put my finger on fully what it is even now and it may have uh, touched on a a couple of them uh while talking but well i mean the fact that it's all you know green screen cgi no i'm that part i wouldn't worry about that part there's very little practical i feel like that 
bug me just a touch. Mm-hmm. You know, there wasn't a lot of um, kind of like, you know, Ant-Man being small in the real world. And that that's always I, I heard that on a podcast and I found myself agreeing with the point mm-hmm. that that's always fun to see, like, you know, the little, you know, like them uh, basically running around in a powered matchbox car, you know, right. doing cool you know things at, at at a small level in the in the real world, okay. right? Right. So that that part is you know gone to you know that that part really wasn't a that was not a part of the movie, right? And uh, that felt like it was missing for me. I, I found myself in agreement when when I heard uh, a particular podcaster make that point, mm-hmm. but ultimately you know it's it, you know it was very uh, it, it was kind of a it had echoes of Star Wars. You know that, that I heard that and I, I knew that as I felt that as soon as I watched that, mm-hmm. as soon as I watched the movie, I was like, I feel it. I definitely feel that. Um, so yeah, I can see it. I can see it. Um, and you're not the only ones complaining about the the CG in it. Apparently, which we will get to in the news because apparently the some effects artists <laughs> were also, but probably for a slightly different reason than right overworked yeah. and underpaid. Actually. I'd, Yes and no, not really. Um, oh, no kidding! Actually, blaming another movie for the uh, for the 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 uh, the, uh, the lack of effects, time budget uh, here. But that's yeah. we'll get to that when we get to that. All right. Um, but yeah, I guess in closing, yeah, it's, it's I don't know. I I'm not one of these people who are like uh, I. I've said this loud and proudly. I do not like Rotten Tomatoes or Metacritic or any of those because that stuff's cute and can be gamed. And I'm not saying I agree with them with them there. Some things you got to kind of see for yourself to kind of watch. I've seen some people who actually really, really liked it. And that's great. You know, like I'm still kind of like eh about it. I've also seen some people that we know that was like, eh, it's not good at all. <laughs> I'm positive about it. I just think it's you know it's not like the the be all and end all. But I don't know what anyone is expecting out of the first movie of a new phase, right? Because this is just the first step in building Kang. Well, see, that's the that's, way I took it coming in. That's right, the way and, I watched it coming in. And that's the good part about it because you know there were uh, there were um, there was the um, the mention of incursions, which which got brought up again here. I was like, okay, yes, give me more, give me more. You know, to, mm-hmm. to build that up, and and you saw kind of seeds and shades of things. I'm like, all right, yeah, so go ahead and build up, uh, whatever. I felt like that. I, one thing that I, I can safely say that annoyed me, and I know this is the thing that happens in the beginning of the movie where Janet was like, um, was that Janet like you built? You know, you've seen this in the trailer, so it's not a spoiler for another. Like you, you built the signal to the quantum realm. Wouldn't tell people what the deal was. And I get why. Don't get me wrong. So, but it is a thing that happened that annoys me anywhere it shows up. It's like, you spent like 30, 45 minutes saying, no, no, just trust me, do, do this, do this. And then it finally comes out, you know, as to why. Luckily, it didn't come out in the way that it normally comes out. And that, well, the bad guy tells, you know, everybody else, you know, what the deal is. As, as opposed to her telling them themselves, at least she finally told them, but it was like, okay, just go ahead and tell them what the deal is. And, or at least somewhat what the deal is. So, you know, we can kind of, kind of push this along. Cause that part was kind of, kind of annoying to me. Like mm-hmm. it is a thing that happens in, in, uh, in, uh, on, on TV and movies and a lot of times. So, you yep. know, get mad I at that. Get, yeah. Get mad at that. You get mad at all of them, what you do. So, 
mm-hmm. like this could have been some of this could have been avoided if you just said something right there. But I was just that it is an enjoyable movie. No Luis was a thing. Uh, Gentura needs her own movie. That whole micro not stand in thing was like it is what it is. Um, mm-hmm. Like uh, Agent Seven said, the Modoc thing was 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 a uh, pretty funny. Um, all I do, all I have to do, if I need to smile, if I need to laugh, I just think of it, and it's hysterically fun. You know, um, the whole revolution. Thing character, was, I was he has a character poster now. I saw it online. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. I think like, yeah, a lot of the main ones do. So that's cool. Um, yeah, he has a character poster now. I'm like, oh my goodness, that's just. You know, I'm just gonna like save that and just laugh whenever I need to, you know, and look at when I need to laugh. Right, but yeah, but I'm. They could have lost Dale and brought in Luis. That's 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 the bottom line. Here. Yeah, pretty much. That being said, though, we're going to move on unless you got something else you want to say in closing. No, I'm good. We can move on to the Bad Batch, the two episodes that we watched the uh, last week and this week. All right. Yeah. So Bad Batch is episodes number eight and uh, excuse me, number nine and ten. Nine and ten. Yes. Um, which are respectively the crossing for episode nine and retrieval for episode ten, which was a two part anyway, so it works out nicely. Hmm. Um. And I guess we can talk about the first part because basically they, they, they take on a mission from Sid on this world for they're basically on mining duty this time. And um, not only, well, they get what they came for, but then lose it and also lose their ship at the same time. So now they're stuck on this world, uh, you know, and Omega being the kid was like, well, we lost our ship. We got to find, you know, we got to, you know, we got to get our ship out, get our home. And the others were like, I don't know what you're, what, what's the problem? Especially tech, because so it was basically a big tech and tech and Omega bonding episode, uh, right at the end of it, and then we cut to uh, episode ten, which just came out, which I won't say too much about, which is them still on, you know, basically finding, uh, finding themselves in a situation that gets them out of that situation, mm-hmm. on that same planet, um, and also I guess is if if some people are writing the saying, maybe putting them on the path to. Uh, even though they're kind of been on this path, kind of doing more throughout the galaxy by helping out these people, which they've been kind of doing, but they've been kind of doing for, you know, not for, not for direct reasons. Put it that way. Not because they want to, because they just happen to be in this situation and, and they were doing it. But mm. we'll, we shall see how that kind of plays out uh, as the season goes. Which the season is going to go, speaking of, up until through the end of March, which, as uh, Agent 70 said before the show, we are one week away from March and one week away from The Mandalorian Season 3. Right, and a whole lot of other content. Yes, and some of which I'm going to, we're going to get into right now. Excuse me, with... Um, Star Wars, uh, Star Wars, I, I even wrote it down wrong. That's so messed up. Uh, Star Trek, because <laughs> I keep doing it. I was about Star to Tre- say he has lost his Trekker privileges <laughs> just now. Um, oh, I ain't the one on the one that does that, so whatever. Um, <laughs> that's funny because I even had it in my notes at Star Wars, Picard. That's fucked up, but anyway, Star Trek, Picard, <laughs> season three. <laughs> Roddy Cat is trying to paper over that one right away. He's like, ain't gonna no 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 we gonna no no. I got you. Go ahead. Because I was like, what what what? I didn't even. Wow, I only believe I did that. So yeah, Star Trek Picard season three started up last week, uh, and uh, episode two of season three uh, uh, started up this week. 
And I know Agent 7 said he uh, saw the first episode, but not the second one, so I won't spoil too much uh, either way. Or I won't spoil too much in the second episode, so he's already up on the first one. And the first one's right. kind of um, basically... The first uh, one lays out, I was going to say, the first one lays out mm-hmm. the basis for getting the band back together. Yes. With a couple of new introductions, a yes. couple of new uh, characters who are uh, relations to character to old favorite characters. Um, I was very much happy to see that Jordy got some finally. Well, no. Well, I was about to say finally. He's it's been well known that he has had kids. So, <laughs> oh, I'm just thinking back to like the very like the, the oh, early when he was G. when he was thirsting after uh, the the hologram of the, the one side. Yeah, just like... <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So there, so the, like, on that, like Roddy kept mentioning that 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 we know that um, what you call that 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 uh, that Jordy and obviously other members of the uh, the, the the TNG crew have uh you know progressed in their lives mm-hmm. that's if you're you know like uh that's if you are keep totally up on all of picard all of the the lore that has developed since uh that series um but as i said once you see like see it right in front of you just like oh good jordy good work yeah yeah and actually and that's not the only one because as we will see and i know this because of social media um, but we'll get to that when we get to that. So, um, what was I going to say? So yeah, um, as I just said, it's, it's the, I don't know if the season's called, but the first episode was definitely called the next generation. So cause the callback and everybody at this point, if you're or even keeping up with it, know that members of the, um, next generation cast, um, are going to be coming in at certain times. um, uh, one of which of last week being Beverly Crusher, who still looks actually pretty good. Um, gotta say, you know, I mean, she's no Michelle Pfeiffer, but I get it. Well, you know, um, nope. there's very few like <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer, but uh, but we start off the first episode with uh, with uh, 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 Gates McFadden's uh, Dr. Crusher. In the in the little spot of trouble, which she gets her gets herself out of, and someone else is with her, which we don't see. But that kind of uh, starts the ball off rolling, and her getting a message off to Picard, who's trying to chill with his lady uh, Romulan friend. But uh, apparently, you know, things with that kind of go a certain way. And again, not to go through the whole episode because that's not the case. But that, as Agent Seven said, kind of starts the ball off rolling with uh, the adventures here, and we get caught up on a. Um, uh, a couple of more um, Star Trek Picard's particular, or at least one or two P- Star Trek Picard particular characters, because they put Raffi through. The, I love Raffi, but man, they put her through it. <laughs> I was about to say, I'm like, wait, they have her on this, like, so, so, so. Forgive me, and we're not going to go in too deep into right. this because you know we don't want to spoil it. People may even be worse off than I am and have not yet watched either, either one of the first two episodes. So, my understanding is that she was undercover, right? Correct. Okay. Right, so they've got her basically doing, like, a very 80s trope, right? Of going undercover, like, deep undercover. Yeah, and, and you don't so stop. Deep. <laughs> they so deep. They pretty much literally did the, the deep cover thing. Like, you gotta, right. you gotta hit this. <laughs> yep. But that's in yep. this episode, so... Um, uh, so, we'll... So, 
I, I've probably possibly given away something for Age of Seven, but you'll know what right. I'm talking about. At the end of the day, I'll probably watch it over the weekend. Yeah, you but know? you'll know what I'm talking about when, when you get to that point. So. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. So, but but ultimately, you know, as uh, as we were alluding to in that first episode, you know, we we it's it's about getting the band back together. Mm-hmm. There is a a, a a rescue mission set up, and in order to get the rescue mission going, they need a ship. Because in space, you always need a ship. Hmm. And that's where everything starts, you know, starts to coalesce around the story. And we start to see how things have progressed from season two to season three of Picard. Hmm. You know, how things have changed, that is. Right. So uh, I'm going to stop you right here and say that if you and some might picture this as a as a down point, but it's not because this is some beloved stuff. But I will safely say that if you remember parts of Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, and possibly a little bit of Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, you will understand what is going on here in this season, uh, in the first couple of episodes, at the very least. I remember Khan and Undiscovered Country, not so much. Yes, and I say parts of Khan and not Khan directly. So I, I'm just going to say that right there. But right. like I said, for for those who know enough of the movie to recognize some of the beats that are uh, and and watch this season or watch the first couple of episodes uh, of uh, Star Trek: Picard, will definitely know. Which is not any stranger to what they've been doing in the last couple of seasons, because there's been beats of stuff that they've kind of taken from Trek lore and kind of redone. You know, the whole stealing of ship thing is. is all through, especially, you know, Star Trek um, um, 3, 4, you know, uh, you know, 2 even. So <laughs> it's, it's not a thing that you would, you, uh, is not unheard of in the Trek universe. Um, and speaking of, like, they, I love how they, when they, when they went to go get a ship, the captain's like, oh, no, nah, I know about you boys. <laughs> Like no, this is this is not that kind of party. This is this is we don't do things on this ship like this. So that's funny. yeah. That guy, I was about to say that guy's funny. He's probably gonna die soon. If I thought that exact yeah. If, especially with yeah, especially with the way Picard has been going, which also brings up the question of a character who um, comes up um, still a part of Starfleet at the end of last season, but has a different rank. But I know that was a temporary commission that they got at the end of that. But still, I'm kind of curious as to how it got to be that they're basically. Gonna, well, I guess I know. Never mind. I don't have to ask because I, I, I know enough about Trek to know how that could happen. But it was still kind of weird to see at first. Right. Absolutely. So, I agree. But that being said, though, I enjoyed the first couple of uh, first couple of episodes. I think um, Age of Seventy will enjoy the second one. As well, if he enjoyed the first one, which I don't know, did you? Infer- I guess I'm assuming you did, but yeah, it was good. It was good. I mean, I was exhausted by the time I finished it, but you know, yeah. at the end of the day, it was good. Yeah, yeah. Um, we alluded to Jordy. Yeah, we, one of his uh, one of his kids shows up, um, and I kind of, I kind of want to see like um, uh, a show where she's in um, she's a kid a kid at the academy and how she earned her nickname. <laughs> I kind of want because I love how Picard was like, uh, no, was it Picard or, or, or um, no, that was Riker. That was Riker. Yeah, Riker was like, yeah, they called you Crash, and she was like, oh lord, no, <laughs> on the, yeah, in front of the even, whole even Picard was like, no, wait, don't yeah. go there. <laughs> yeah, 
I was like, <laughs> she was like, oh no, come on, man, don't do this to me. <laughs> but it That's was like, but it was yeah. good to see. No, because it's no, because at the end of the day, right? Because of the because of the the great relationship we know these characters probably all still have. Right. It's like the 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 uncle, you know, like the the, the uncle just embarrassing right niece or nephew, you know. Right. Right. And slightly harkens back to the last episode of um of uh, TNG in a way because again that's where we know that well at least in some future timeline that Jordy has kids mm. um, which I'm not sure if this one is one of the ones that was named there but it probably so I would like to think they would have kept that in the line but again still you know it, it was still good to see and I'm looking forward to the next episode which by the way um, Star Trek Picard season uh, 3 comes out on Thursdays so at least we don't have to you know, the day of the show, we'll we'll have something, but we won't spoil anything about it. So, um, oh, and I guess I I know I will talk about this later in the uh, news section, but I'll go ahead and say it now. If you want to see the first episode of Star Trek Picard Season 3, it is out there on uh, YouTube. YouTube! So I guess Paramount must have put it out there uh, to, for, for, to get people into it, because they know people are right. excited about it. So... There right. is that. And now we're going to move on to one last thing that I'm going to talk about very, very briefly um, in that uh, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur came out on Disney Plus a couple of weeks ago. Um, it was six episodes, all uh, half an hour apiece. It is definitely, as I told Agent 70 before the the show, it's definitely geared before the, the, the little ones. Uh, they have... Uh, Taking some a couple of liberties with the characters in that they aged up Lunella because she's nine she's nine in the books and she's thirteen here in the uh, in the show, and they made they don't really talk about her in human actually they didn't brought up any of her in human um, uh, traits um, in her relation to Devil Dinosaur but they can definitely understand each other like Scooby Doo and Shaggy in a way so that that is kind of how that goes. So it is, it is kind of different than the, the, the comic book version. Definitely. Um, so they pretty much set it up as like, yeah, she's, you know, she, she ends up protecting the lower East side. Um, she's, she's living with her parents and her grandparents and they own a roller rink, which I guess has some in universe, uh, explanation of why she's on skates, even though she doesn't, she's not always on skates there more so than she's, Less so than she is in the comics. Um, and like I said, it's definitely one of those things where it's like, um, while the first episode has some pretty amusing references to not only the Marvel Universe, but um, other characters in other media, uh, in other similar media, which is, I found, if it's a blinking, you miss. Um but I think I haven't, well, from what I've seen in the the four episodes that I've seen, not too much uh, from there. And pretty much every episode is kind of like, hey, here's a lesson, you know, of course, as you would tend to do, is like, here's a lesson for, you know, that you learn while she's going through these, uh, or that she learns going through these adventures of hers type situation. Yep, kinda. And the most of the people that she has fought so far, I do know one that is coming up in the sixth, in the fifth episode, uh, is one of note or meets, I should say, but everybody else she's going up to f- 
again, so far are new to this show and not in the uh, Marvel Universe. Maybe one person who is, but that that looks more like a Star Wars character than than uh, than anything. And there's also one that kind of looks like a DC character, but that's the the first one she fights. But that's a whole another thing right there. So yeah, it's a good cast. It's a, it's a pretty fun show for the for the little ones, and you and even some older folks will get some 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 fun because it is uh, a, a you know an amusing show uh, for for all ages. So cool. Yeah, you get the chance to check it out. Do check it out. Like I said, there's especially in the first episode, there's a an amusing uh, reference that's uh, that's just there from a thing. I'm like, huh. I don't know if that's going to come up in the later episode that I know that a related character would would be uh, associated with, but that was amusing that that was there. So that being the case, we're going to get into the books of the week. <laughs> And we are going to start off with, I believe we said, well, we got two weeks worth of books. We're going to start off with last week's, last week's books with uh, Fantastic Four number four. The creative team on Fantastic Four number four. This book is written by Ryan North with art by Ivan Coelho, colors by Jesus Abertov, and letters by our favorite, our favorite lettering Paisan, VCs Joe Caramagna. So... We open this issue with a big battle scene. Guess what this battle scene is, folks? It's a flashback. It's a flashback to something that has been teased. Something that has already happened. And Roddy Cat is going to go into what that something is. Yes, we get... I'm just going to go and say that we get... After four issues, not 50 issues, not four or five months, but we get why the FF uh, got, um, got booed out of, uh, of, of uh, New York and the, why the team is split apart. Because they were pretty much stopping an invasion from the negative zone. Right. And, and Reed was like, well, I got this plan. I'm going to go ahead and do it no matter what y'all say. So poof. Right. And that causes some problems, uh, you know. Right. For... There were some unforeseen. Actually, you know what it is? They were foreseen by Reed. But exactly. He did not take into account that these ramifications would be long reaching, far reaching and have a lot of, uh, you know, ripple effects in and around the community uh, that surrounds the area of the Baxter building. Not even, you know, for, you know, forgetting even his immediate uh, family, but ultimately he understands what it is, but just looks at it in a very Reed Richards way. And I understand why they why North decided to go th- in this direction. Reed has been depicted in this way. Mm-hmm. However, some writers choose you know, they make choices in order to move stories along right. or to create story points and to create, uh, you know, uh, vectors, you know, for, for change and vectors for movement. So I feel like, you know, making read uh, this calculating was a choice. It's not a choice that every writer makes. Right. Especially since the last volume with slot kind of, um, 
for lack of a better word, humanized, gave a little bit more human humanity to Reed's personality mm-hmm. at, at times. So it's it's weird to kind of fall back on this as a thing, even though it's it, you know it's still Reed. So it's, it's like like Agent Seven said, it's still a choice, and it is still kind of a part of Reed. But yeah, um, it, it's weird. But also, this is not the first time we've seen this, especially recently. It was like, hey, here we have this, you know character in a certain spot but then comes the next volume of the the book you know the writer chooses to make certain choices right a go that goes against that right so regardless of of that it was still interesting to finally find out what happened uh and it is also and also um we found out what happened like you just haven't said in a flashback but also when the team kind of gets back together because of a reason uh, due to one of them or two of them, I should say. Well, one of them, but one of them and their uh, betrothed, um, which I guess will leave them. Uh, well, they're now back together and they will finally go back to the um, the the favorite person of the Fantastic First for universe um, in the next issue. So I'm. Uh, looking forward to that, I should say. <clears throat> and I guess we're so now that we're now that we know all of that, I guess we're going to see how they handle what happened, right? And I guess I'm not sure. I'm trying to remember if you because there are there is time constraints um, uh, that were talked about in the course of this. So I'm not sure how. I can't remember how much time has been spent. I think they did say months, right? Yeah, just months. Oh, it wasn't that yeah. long. Yeah, so we still got some like some quote unquote time to to deal with the resolution of what actually happened. Um, so we'll see how that goes. But and I say that in relation, as I said to uh, Agent Seventy uh, earlier. Oh, no, no, they said it was going to be a year. Right, but that's what I'm saying. But it has been months since. Right, from, exactly. Right, so we're we're like let's say like a quarter of the way in. Right. So we still got that's like, the way it seems, at least, right? Right, which is that my point still stands. So um, yeah. we're only part way through, right? So I'm not sure how if they're going to like skip ahead a couple of times or like keep going until they'll probably take some few issues and maybe space them or you know, right? We'll see how long they're gonna 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 let this go out. Right. But we will. In relation to say Spider Man is what I was telling Agent Seventy prior to exactly. The show. Uh, it is a good thing to see what actually happened, and now we can kind of keep going with whatever you got to do because um, they are still dragging out that, as we will get to um, at some point tonight uh, with this. So I guess we can go on to the next book, which is um, Invincible Iron Man number three from last week. Invincible Iron Man number three is written by Jerry Duggan with art by Juan Frigari, colors by Brian Valenza, and again, letters by our favorite lettering Paisan, VCs Joe Caramagna. The, uh, this chapter uh, is, you know, investigating the unfortunate uh, passing, demise, killing of basically the backup plan that Tony Stark has had in place unbeknownst to all of us for all of these years, going back to his mullet days, going back to the armor wars. Yeah. 
Yes, going back to the mullet days, folks. <laughs> so if you go back that far to the Maulers, or to the Raiders, that is, you know, like because it looks so much like the Mauler armor. That's why I said the Maulers. I literally am flipping through this. Sure, sure. So if you're going back to Silver Centurion days and this, you know, and, and, and Rhodey flying around in a Cobra Fang that's suited up, um, I remember those days. I do too. Yeah, this is when he was still afraid to get back into the armor. Exactly, because it hadn't been... Well, at this point, had they figured out that it was uh, ill-configured for his brain? Oh, no, this this is well past that. This is when he... After, well after he got burnt up in orbit, and, you know, he, that's why he got afraid to be, get back in the orbit. So this was after that, but before War Machine. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. I couldn't remember. Yeah. Okay. So I, I, I remember this time well. <laughs> and, of course, like I said, Armor Wars. Wars. Right. And ultimately, at the end of the issue, we find out that there we find out who the big bad is, at least uh, through the first three issues of this story. And it's not who we all expected. It's yeah. And it's not who um, Tony ran, you know, the 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 folks that Tony has run through in the past, which uh, some of which are not no longer on, you know, no longer around. Right. either because he checked that out previously because honestly i thought that myself before reading this issue i'm like yeah could it have been somebody that's rosen up from the dead or some can of theirs or something because that has happened before but mm-hmm. turns out nah it's someone that right. we've we've seen fairly recently um right ch- chopping it up with tony for a reason i was going to say interestingly it's not revealed in story it's it not. not it's no, actually it's not. revealed in the uh, up, you know, like uh, to be, uh, you know, uh, next issue. That's right. the page. That's right. where they reveal it, and that's that was interesting to me. Right, and it makes sense also because, like, oh, right, because even uh, Agent Seven and I was talking before the show. It was like, oh, right, yeah, he's you know he's around the Street Fighter. Her character is around and kind of in against a couple of fronts. I, I guess you say, and Tony's one of them. Right. So. I just think it's funny that they didn't actually reveal it in the story. Yeah. Yeah. But also, I, I kind of wonder if they was like, well, somehow expected you to know, or maybe it was like, no, we're just going to hold it because it'll be a, the big reveal next issue, you know, the issue type of thing, I which guess. is probably the case. Yeah. You know, like if you weren't, if you, if you were looking at the image, you could be confused if you're right. not as well read as we are amongst all of Marvel's offerings, you'd be confused too. Correct. Right. Especially if you're not, if you're not reading a certain corner a matter of fact, a certain book in a certain corner at a certain time fairly recently. Exactly. Um, you, you would not, you would still be confused. Yep. So, all right. That being the case, we're going to push to Those are two books from last week. Yep. We'll, we'll get to some other books from last week and this week, but we're just going to do highlight a couple from for this week first, before we go into rapid fire. Sure. Which, starting uh, off with, uh, uh, did She-Hulk. we agree to oh, start with Immoral? Oh no, I thought you said She-Hulk. She-Hulk, it is. She-Hulk number ten is written by Rainbow Rowell, Rowell with art by Takeshi Miyazawa, colors by Rico Renzi, and letters by. Oh my goodness, our favorite littering Python is busy this week. VCs, Joe Caramagna, everybody. <laughs> so. <laughs> So this issue 
And, and what's funny about this issue is that Roddy Cat and I literally had to parse out some of Talk Miyazawa's very subtle art mm-hmm. choices in this issue to figure out some storytelling choices he made that 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 were probably dictated by the script. And they are so subtle, we missed them the first time around. Yeah, we did. So it was lucky that we had talked about it before before the show. It was like, oh, right, we were both kind of off on this one. But Yes, we misinterpreted clear, I hate to say this, very clear visual cues. Right. But it was only, but and we did it because there was like one thing, well, two things. It was like a panel change and a thing that happened between the panels on, or on the previous panel. And before a sound effect, right. A sound exactly. effect. That's what I'm right. talking about. Yeah. That right. happened. That kind of and the off. sequencing, right. Mm-hmm. Got us. So, but good on them for that, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, well told, mm-hmm. well scripted, well drawn. We just missed it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. There, there was nothing wrong with no any art choices or anything. It's just like, yeah, I'll just kind of, you know, skip that one little thing or miss that one yeah, little thing. Yeah, we blew that. But so. ultimately, I think what gave this issue so much heart for me is that it described so much of how Jen Walters feels mm-hmm. as the Hulk that's normally in control all the time. And, you know, a lot of her, uh, I hate to say this, a lot of her travails in her love life as written by other, you know, by, by previously male writers for the most part and having this particular recap of her, uh, character's history and specifically her love life being told from the perspective of a female writer or of a woman writer, you know, made it that much better written right. and that much deeper to me. And I appreciated reading this story with that perspective in mind. Right. And yeah, because uh, most of the times, as Agent 70 says, like, yeah, this stuff has come up before. It's just, but it comes up as a passing thing that doesn't, doesn't really given, haven't been getting any real time to, to either, which, well, I think, but then again, I think that was written also by a woman that might've, there's been some given to that Hulk book in that Hulk book in a, in a kind of a way, at least one part of the Jennifer Walters part was kind of given some, some time, but not to, um, to the extent that they did. So this was a very well done issue. It was kind of sad also because it was, um, you know, Jen kind of in a, in a down moment, which is a rarity for this character. Um, but she's who she's, while she has seen a few, you know, downtime, especially in her love times, uh, love, uh, uh, you know, in, in her relationship uh, status at times, you know, we kind of see her kind of, you know, Touch on it, move on. Touch on it, move on, or something like that. Because, like, like it just said, but we get a little bit of service here on it. But it's not all bad because, luckily, she has a friend in uh, Patsy Walker. You know, she got a ride or die in Patsy Walker, who kind of comes and they chop it up. Um, and it's also because of what happened in the last issue, which you know got us to this point. Ended up. Uh, well, I don't say. I'm not gonna say it ended up not being the case of what it is. Is because it's still kind of an ongoing thing, but a situation thought of at the end of the last issue has kind of changed in in a couple of different ways. Let's just say. 
mm-hmm. and actually potentially goes back to um, an an earlier well potentially could go back to an earlier time with uh, the relationship she is currently had been currently in up until now. Uh, yeah, without giving too much away on that, that's pretty much where I'll leave it. And on the side of the, and other side on the side of that, she got uh, doomed by acquitted. <laughs> or mostly acquitted because apparently he still got a, a, a little light charge on him got I a forgot, jaywalking I, ticket yeah. right because I, I totally forgot that that was a thing uh, that had gotten brought up a few issues ago because Victor La Mancha and uh, brought in a doom brought in doom by it was like yeah he's you know being charged as the real doom um, which I'm not I think about it, the real doom actually shows up somewhere this week but uh, uh, unsurprisingly but there is that. So this was a great issue for, for, for what it went through. That being said, even though it was, it was kind of touching or because actually the fact that it was kind of touching, uh, made it a great issue. So there's that. Um, is that it? Or you want to, can we go on? No, we're good. All right. Next up, immoral X-Men number one of three. I forget that these are all miniseries, but to a certain extent, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, this book is written by Kieron Gillen, with pencils by Paco Medina, inks by Walden Wong and Victor Olathaba, colors by J. David Ramos and Chris Sotomayor, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowell. So, this is the latest. You know, we 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 will talk briefly about last week's edition of the 10 year into the sins of sinister storyline this issue covers uh, a lot of the more familiar things that uh, came up in sins of sinister because you know we're dealing with some of the primary characters and the fallout that comes 10 years later as they exert uh, their evil mutant status And there's also a nice little callback for anyone who, uh, who, who, who thinks of Lord of the Rings anytime they hear a certain word that, uh, that, that, that's kind of, uh, that, that starts with the letter P. So we'll put it, you know, we'll leave it at that. Yes. And it also um, brings up uh, Emma Frost's rather fetishistic uh, that's not even a word fetish nature <laughs> yeah uh, all in this book be, be, because it's like wow the 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 writer really kind of been playing up on that one in this issue which as i've seen on a couple of places on the internet some people are not minding that and including apparently sinister on the cover um as i've seen people talk about that also <laughs> but uh there's the the if you're watching the video version, you can see the uh, the, the cover of the issue, and uh, there is similar imagery inside of the book as well. Yeah. So I, that I found kind of amusing because I'm like, yeah, they're really they're really playing up that. I don't mind it. I'm just saying, but it was like, because Emma Frost being a character who, you know, let's face it, if you've seen her classic garb, it looks pretty, pretty, pretty uh, you know, fetishized. Right. I was going to say, she is not the submissive side. She definitely is not, nor has ever been. And this, no. in this issue, uh, she kind of proves as much. 
So here's the funny thing about this issue. This issue kind of made me think of like, yeah, this, you know what this reminds me of? And I can't remember if it was Axis or something after Axis. But do you remember when all of the heroes had their um, personalities inverted? Yeah, I do. This kind of reminds me of that. Yeah, with the twist that it's all like based off of genetic manipulation. Yeah, right. So I was like, huh, okay. I didn't think we were going to go back to something like that again, but it makes sense because what we were thinking coming into this since since the sinister thing, it was like, we think it was going to be another age of apocalypse thing, which it it turns out did not, but kind of, you know, um, and they're pretty much holding off the fact that we can't go back to the way it was because of things that are going on between this and nightcrawlers and that, uh, storm was, that's well, whatever kicked off in that storm and the brotherhood brotherhood book from a couple of weeks back. Uh, right. That is still getting uh, talked about here, including a couple of um, a couple of pages with Sinister having a hissy fit about. <laughs> but um, this was a good issue, and like I said, yeah, this is definitely a, a very um, this is the one that kind of made me think about that whole uh, inversion uh, inversion thing. It was like, yeah, okay, this is this is yeah. what we're kind of doing right now. So yeah, we'll, it's we'll a play just... on definitely a play on it. Hmm. So I'm like, all right, we'll we'll ride it out and see how this goes and see how they get out of it and whatnot. But <laughs> is it, the funny thing it would be if like, yeah, they're gonna have Sinister pretty much undo the thing. Well, I guess he's been kind of trying to for for his own reason, but they're gonna undo it for you know because of he doesn't have the control that he thought he was going to have. But exactly, and T's not getting made the way he wants. Exactly. So, well, like I said, good issue. Um, yeah, not sure where this is going to go, but it it is what it is. Uh, I think that's pretty much all I got to say about that. Oh, Emma stole a a line from Kamala. I don't remember. (laughs) She says, "Power is not what what you are, but power is what you do," or something like that. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so I was like, really? <laughs> so I had to make a, I, I kind of made a note of that. I was like, yeah, you stole that. You know, you stole that. I know what That's you got, what y'all did with Kamala, but, but I, I mean, she I does did. talk about spanking in this. So, but there's also that too. Yes, and Sinister talks about how bad tea here is is in America, which I that as a tea drinker, you know, I, I feel that. I guess. <laughs> So there was a, there was some actually some pretty decent sinister stuff in here, especially when he was going through talking talking to himself. Actually, mm-hmm. <laughs> so there was there was uh, some pretty good uh, stuff in there. I was like, yeah, you're really kind of going through it, buddy. But hey, it's your own fault. That being said, though, uh, we can push away from immoral X Men and go into rapid fire. Alrighty, I am going to spin it up because we have a lot of books to go through, folks. We do. So, bear with us. We will go very quickly. Um, I'm going to just read off the titles, the creative team, and just say, hey, this is cool. Read it. Maybe drop a couple of fun things. That's about it. So, here we go. Rapid fire through the first of two weeks worth of books. Waiting for my sound effect to play. Come on, what are you doing? What's a going on? What's a going on? Here we go, here we go. I ain't got time to bleed. So, of course, rapid fire gun jammed. First up, 
Avengers Forever number 14. It's written by Jason Aaron with art by Jim Toe. Colors by Frank Martin and Chris Sotomayor and Maury Hollowell. And letters by VCs Corey Petit. So this issue, wee, do I remember much of this issue? Not so much. Bottom line, though, we continue to hurdle ever forward into uh, the uh, towards the, uh, the finale of um, uh, Jason Aaron's Avengers run. There's plenty of battling going on here. We touch we touch base with so many characters who are you know getting one little piece of the spotlight as you know the battle continues to rage. The battle's been joined by Doom. The battle has been joined by uh, gigantic ego-sized Doom, and I'm not even kidding about that. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad you picked that up overnight because I, I had to post something to CB Caps on that uh, a few days ago. Right. So ultimately, you know, we, we just continue to keep moving forward on this. There's a couple of nice little uh, alternate Steve Rogers moments in here, but we do find out at the end of the issue that Mephisto has not gone away as a possible source of uh, bad things happening in this book. Anything to add? Nope, because you pretty much said most of the stuff that I ba- barely remembered also. Carry on. <laughs> Next up is Spider-Man number five. The first issue of the of, of, of this book, the first uh, main story, that is. The main story of this book is written by Dan Slott with pencils by Mark Bagley, inks by John Dell, colors by Edgar Delgado. The second uh, very short backup story is written by Justin A. Reynolds with art by Julian Shaw, colors by Guru EFX. All of the lettering, again, our favorite, very busy lettering Paisan, VC's Joe Caramagna. So this is the story of yet another alternate uh, future, alternate past Spider-Man, a.k.a. Peter Parker. But in this one, things do not go as they, nor- uh, as they did in the regular 616. Instead, the primary Spider-Hero is... The person who, unbeknownst to all of us, got bit by the same spider way back when, when we found out in, what was it, uh, what was that event called? <sighs> Original Sin. Original Sin, thank you. <laughs> and that's where that whole story goes. The backup story is a silly story with photon i liked it that because i liked it because it was with photon i didn't like it because the story was a little too modern for both my taste and for roddy cat's taste yeah there were some language choices that neither one of us was down with from characters who would never who we believe would never speak such because they're not that young (laughs) right and reminding us i'm too old for this shit anyway Next up is X-Men number 19. It's written by Jerry Duggan with art by Stefano Caselli, colors by Federico Blee, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. More X-Men versus the Brood. I would also add that there is the like another parallel story that's being told that's going to meet up eventually in X-Men, uh, you know, between these two books, and that is the story that happened in Captain Marvel last week. So, if you want to find out what's going on with the X-Men and Captain Marvel and the Brood, you may want to try reading both of those books right now. Oh, okay. Cool. Thanks. And that's it for me for last week's worth of books. You go ahead. All right. So, we start off with I Am Batman number 18. 
uh, from last week, <clears throat> written by John Ridley, art by uh, Kristen Deuce. Uh, shoot, come on, come on, where are you? There we go. Um, and Eduardo Pansico and Julio Ferreira, colors by Lex Lo- Rex Locas, and letters by Troy Pateri. So, um, <clears throat> if you've been keeping up with this this last arc, and some most of you probably haven't, um, Jace finds out something about his family history that he did he was not aware of prior to uh, prior to this story, which I guess should probably be no so surprise because it's kind of a trope. Uh, but, uh, because of this, he finds himself, well, he's basically <clears throat> finds himself searching at, uh, not searching it out, but basically going after Ezekiel King because of, uh, what he found out from this. He and Tiffany, the not Robin, but soon to be probably called Robin at some point, uh, Robin kind of go after them. They get themselves in some trouble and get bailed out by a friend of his who probably should have this book and not Jace because she's pretty badass. Um, but after all of that said and done with Ezekiel King, uh, Jace kind of tries to connect with uh, this newly found uh, family member of his in a quite a public place uh, while he's still in his Batman Batman gear in broad daylight. So that part was kind of weird. Uh, but nevertheless, um, the, he's kind of going... Uh, from there with his new uh, sidekick. Uh, Where this is going to go, not quite sure. Uh, Next up, Wasp number two of four. Uh, Written by Al Ewing, art by Kashia Ni, or Nai, I'm not sure how that's pronounced, so I apologize. Color artist KJ Diaz, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. So, a callback to Civil War II, of all things, and the new Avengers has Jan and Nadia going after another acronym from that time period. Uh, but it leads them, leads kind of back to the origin of um, uh, Jan, or Jan's origin as the Wasp, in a way, and something that is tied to Nadia from that aforementioned time period. Um... And um, you know, while they fall into end up falling into a trap at the end of this, they pretty much show that both of the wasps are, in their own respects, pretty badass. So it was uh, a, a pretty good book for that. Um, Monica Rambo. Why do I have Monica Photon? That's funny. I must have been tired. <laughs> uh, Monica Rambo Photon number three of five. Uh, excuse me, written by Eve L. Ewing. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, with uh, art by Iban Fiorelli and Luca Maresca. Color artist Carlos Lopez. And letter artist VT's uh, Clayton Cowles. Wait, that was last week? Oh, shoot. I messed up. Wait, were you just humming Alouette? I was. That happens sometimes. That's funny. Uh, that's uh, funny. I was listen from the person that had jig of my n all up in my head all week. You know the writer's version. You know, yes, yes. Yeah, I don't. Well, I'm maybe thinking about the my Duolingo lesson that I forgot to do tonight. But um, oh, no! oh wait, no. I think I did one earlier. Never mind. Uh, you had freezes. 
Oh, I do. But um, well, okay, we, we may we'll probably finish this in time. I got. I'm sorry. I'm checking up on something real quick because I thought. Uh, okay, no, make sure I'm right. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so anyway, Monica Rambo, photon number three of five. Um, so I think we asked this uh, the last time we talked about this book. Um, and uh, recently I was reminded that Monica Rambo and Dr. Voodoo did actually have a relationship for some short time in the past. So which has slightly little bit well it it um it has a little to do with this because uh, she's still on some parallel in some parallel universe for some reason that she thought was the doing of the beyonders or this beyonder like character but may have something to do with the um the MacGuffin at, in the first uh uh in the first issue and that being the um the, the stone of hala which I feel like they're probably going to tie into the Marvels and, and her and uh, her uh, Kamala and Carol's powers. Even though we know how Carol got her powers in the MCU, but I feel like they're, they're, they may be trying to set something up in the MCU that is kind of tying them more closely together with something like this in, in, in the relation. But regardless, um, there's a, Again, a callback to uh, Riri's adventures with that similar stone. And um, I there was a panel in there that very much reminded me of the new universe. And I'm like, okay, so we're getting a new universe thing uh, coming out of this? Turns out not not really. Or So I was kind of bummed about that going after the issue, but it was pretty good regardless. So, but it also, there are some new aliens that get introduced in this issue to what extent I'm not sure, but she helps them out. Um, and we found out there's a kind of a twist at the end of this as to what's been going on with, uh, with Monica during all of this, that she may have something to do with. Uh, and that's that. Let's see. You did X-Men number 19. And my last one from last week is murder world. Uh, Moon Knight number one, uh, written by Jim Zub and Ray Fox, uh, art by Luca Pizzarelli, uh, color artist Matt Miller, and letters by BC's Corey Pettit. This is uh, technically a part four of five, I believe, or part three of four. I can't remember which one it is because there's been a couple of these books already, but they've all been kind of one shot stitched together under the Murder World banner. So I'm not, I kind of hate that they do that because Kind of confusing. But regardless, this is the third or fourth uh, part of this story in the fact that, hey, Arcade's doing a, a battle royale to situation, um, of course, as as uh, Arcade tends to do. the Some of the contestants have gotten, gotten, kind of gotten wised up and kind of trying to take it to arcade but he's kind of got ready for him one of said agents which we whose attentions we have turned to at the start of this issue is a hydra agent trying to get some information and from um uh from arcade and trying to take him out because of the information that they're trying to seek but like i said um uh arcade kind of gets the upper hand in the situation by using a a murder lmd in the form of Moon Knight, which that is the only th- reason why 
these books have the the characters that they have because they've all been murderous LMDs. Uh, but we also have another character who is on the who's also looking into things who shows up at the uh, at the last page of this and uh, is going to get to the bottom of it. And as the um, as uh, Arcade and folks say at the last part of this, oh shoot, because it's someone that they really didn't want to mess with, and not too many people do want to mess with this character because uh, she she's pretty she's pretty bad. Asked, put it this way. There's a funny panel in here where the Moonlight LMD channels Sailor Moon, which are uh, and a couple other things. And apparently, there's a uh, a former Spider-Man villain that may or may not have uh, uh, bit the dust during this thing, or I should say, the father of a uh, Spider-Man villain. Put it that way. And that's all I'll say about that even though it's been a week ago. All right. Now you want to do yours for this week? Yeah. So I uh, don't have too much for this week left. Uh, first up is Amazing Spider-Man number 20. It's written by Joe Kelly with uh, pencils and colors by Terry Dotson, inks by Rachel Dotson, and letters by Manny's Busy This Week, our favorite lettering Python, VC's Joe Caramagna. So... This is part two of this uh, little fill-in story that Joe Kelly has put together uh, to help uh, um, put in, you know, to, to help cover the story uh, gaps uh, from the regular Zeb Wells uh, team. And uh, I believe uh, it's usually John Romita Jr. So uh, if you're not up to date, you may want to circle back to Amazing Spider-Man number 19, which does uh, basically set up the story. And basically the whole point of this two-story arc is to help push a narrative. The things have changed between Peter and MJ narrative and to push forward the Black Cat narrative. We're not sure why. We talked about that. You know, we'll find out why. But, you know, that's essentially what happens here. Next up is... uh, Strange Academy Finals number four. Strange Academy Finals number four is written by Scotty Young with art by Umberto Ramos, colors by Edgar Delgado, and letters by VC's Clayton Cowell. So, um, let's see. How can I put this? I'm kind of sad that I believe they are gearing up for the end of the Strange Academy run because they do mention the C word in this. Anytime the C word is mentioned with school, See word I'm referring to is commencement. Did you pick up on that? Yes. So they are in fact leading up to, I guess, the big finale of this version of Strange Academy. Uh, what I really liked about this issue and what made this a possible click of the week candidate for me is that we finally get some of the final battle lines being drawn and the setup for the final confrontation between. Um, the character who they have developed over the course of this entire Strange Academy run 
to uh, you know, to head towards that heel turn, which seemed weird, but I guess now it, you know, this character's really, you know, you know, really you know, embracing that heel turn. And some of that character's uh classmates who find themselves uncomfortable being heels and turn back to being baby faces, as it were. So we're starting to see um uh, some of the final battle lines being drawn. And that's why I enjoyed Strange Academy Finals number four. Next up is Gargoyles number three. It's written by Greg Weissman with art by George Combadeus or Combadeus um, and letters by Jeff Eckleberry. So the events of last issue are brought to a pretty dramatic climax in this issue with a uh, childbirth that does not go to plan or at least does not go to plan for one of the bad guys who tried to interfere with it at least not at first right so ultimately i think a lot of this stuff that weissman develops here in these first three issues really follows up on some of the later gargoyles cartoon stuff which i am unfamiliar with but it's still fun it's still fun to watch these characters, you know, uh, uh, do their thing. And as I've said before, when we talk about Gargoyles comics, I hear the voices of the voice actors anytime I read the dialogue. Last but not least for me for this week is Superman number one. It is a brand new relaunch of Superman over at Detective or at, over at DC Comics. Let me not say Detective Comics. Over at DC Comics. It's written by Joshua Williamson with art by Jamal Campbell, who is a new name to me, but apparently has been an industry veteran for some time now. Letters are by Ariana Mar, not under the umbrella of visual comic craft or virtual comic craft. Oh, no, virtual calligraphy. I'm sorry. I'm here. I am butchering all of the lettering company names together. I think it's a virtual calligraphy. So. I will say about this relaunch of Superman, uh, Superman, that I, 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 I like the spirit uh, that uh, Williamson put into the pages that Campbell really does a good job of bringing out. Uh, we do not have too much of the family stuff. We get a lot of the reestablishment of the status quo over at the daily planet. And we get Lex doing Lex things, but with a, with an interesting twist and we you know we'll see where it goes. So we shall see. There is a cliffhanger ending because it is un, it is very much uh, out of thin air that this cliffhanger ending comes in. So I am unfamiliar with recent happenings of Superman. So I don't recognize if this is a character that is coming back or if this is a brand new villain, but we shall see. It's interesting enough that I may just poke my head, uh, into this, um, again, I, I, I forgot to read Nightwing. I think that was this week. So I did not get to that. So I apologize folks. And that's it for me. Not a problem. Wait, did you talk about night night crawlers? Uh, I did not. I missed it. Oh. 
Nightcrawler's number one from last week. Sorry, folks. No, it's bad because I got one I missed also. So, <laughs> <laughs> Nightcrawler's number one was written by Cy Spurrier with art by Paco Medina, colors by J. David Ramos, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. So the interesting thing about Nightcrawlers is that, you know, it obviously centers upon uh, Nightcrawler, but in the sense that the Sins of Sinister Story took the 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 idea of what Nightcrawler can do and real and literally grafted that onto other characters. And that seems to be the premise of the book. And, you know, I was uncomfortable reading it because, you know, it's not necessarily it doesn't feel like the necessary sins of sinister book to read but there aren't that many so you you know you never know they might this might tie more strongly into the sins of sinister story at some point in the future because i believe these are all like two or three issue limited series yeah this one is also a three issue just like a immortal and yeah some so some of the stuff that came up in in nightcrawlers also came up in in moral x-men in in that talking about chimeras uh in a sense so there is a couple of through lines and actually i think this also nightcrawlers did kind of follow up on the storm of the brotherhood uh issue that i mentioned that was from a couple weeks back because they end up they're going to end up having something to do with that or something to do with that. Put it that way. Right. So yeah, they're going to want tie up in some kind of way, but I kind of agree with you. Like, yeah, it doesn't seem necessary, but they all are looking to be tied in some way. Right. At some point, we're probably going to get some, you know, plot point that's <clears throat> vital to the sins of sinister story coming out in that crawlers. Right. Or probably not the way these go, but they're probably going to be like on the side of things. But uh, from the way the the book that, from the way that seemed like that was started off, like, yeah, everybody's kind of after this one thing uh, that happened in one of the other books. Uh, and, and I guess it's probably going to be a key thing into getting things back in order, put it that way. Right. Um, and there's one that I forgot from last week, which I know Agent 70 read himself, which I'll briefly talk about, which I don't think he talked about, which was Mary Jane and Black Cat number three. All right. I, um, yeah, I was going to say, I don't have it on my list, but yeah, I did I did read that. Yeah, because I know we were talking about it beforehand. So yeah, folks, we thought this, uh, because Dark Web is over with, which just was a Dark Web tie-in, which none of the uh, trade, trade dresses on that, not, no, noticeably, and they're not even, no, actually, they're still in the boat. So yeah, so, but nevertheless, this is still going. In fact, this is going to go on for another two issues um, at that so we weren't really sure how that was going to be the case. But nevertheless, uh, Mary Jane and Black Cat number three, um, written by, whoa. <clears throat> excuse me, written by Jed McKay, art by Vincenzo Caruto, uh, color artist Brian Reber, and I got brain here for some reason. Brain, 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 brain. Letters by VC's Ariana Maher. So, as I say in my notes, Dark Web is over, at least for, for but we're still here, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> uh, there's a funny uh, bit in the in this issue that was talking about, Sim was talking about uh, Limbo being colonized by Earth, Earth, women, Earth people, because he kind of runs down the number of people from Earth that has ruled over Limbo. So oh, like, no. So Limbo colonizers! <laughs> so, oh, no. But apparently Felicia and Mary Jane... Um, as as Felicia says, and has had kind of a, um a pretty much a big bomb in between them that ends up coming out at the ends of this issue, which we thought 
uh, as of Amazing Spider-Man 19 and this week's 20 had been hashed out, which uh, thanks to this issue, uh, I guess, starts to be. <clears throat> right. Um, so, yeah, because and in that we found out why, which we still don't know how, why Mary, why or how Mary Jane has powers, but we now know what caused them to go on the fritz. And it was the reason that I thought it was, which was <laughs> the other titled person of this book. For reasons you'll have to read about. But if you put everything I just said together, you can get it. Uh, now going to, to my this week's books, uh, Dark Wing Duck. Let's continue to get dangerous. Um, I think I'll just use this cover here. There we go. Script by Amanda Debert or Debert. Art and color by Carlo Laro. Letters by Jeff Jeff Eckleberry. So a run in with Quackerjack influences Drake uh, Mallard, not that Drake. Drake Mallard into a major decision, and it seems that the series is over as it just started, but not really, because um, this is only the second issue. But um, if I say the words Spider Man no more, that kind of gives you an idea of where what uh, what uh, of that. Potentially spoiler, maybe, maybe not, but it's only the second issue, so not. Uh, Next up, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, number three of five, uh, which is a mouthful, I know, but you gotta love it. Um, Well, I wish there was a way that I could do this um, (laughs) easier. There we go. Uh, written by, by Ryan Parrott, illustrated by Dan Mora, colors by Raul Angulo, and letters by Ed Dukeshire. So Shredder, surprisingly enough, uh, after a mysterious an- uh, absence, ends up joining the fight on the good guy side. For reasons, you can probably pretty much guess if you knew what the story was, what was going on in the story. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, Casey kind of plays his hands and in some, in the issues before this, we had uh, the turtles um, morphing, and in this issue, we get the opposite of that because of uh, things that happened in this, and of course, what tends to happen in the Power Rangers universe: uh, an invasion of Earth, or at least the beginnings of an invasion of Earth that uh, goes into happens again. Still got a couple more issues to go. So that I'm sure that will be taken care of, but um, there's an, uh, an amusing set of transformations that happened uh, in, in, in this, um, in, in this uh, uh, issue that is for the power Rangers uh, universe. Sub- Unsurprisingly, but also surprising, because, you know, they're, they got dino-powered stuff anyway, so there you go. Uh, next book is Black Adam, number 8 of 12. <clears throat> uh, written by Christopher Priest, um, with uh, art by Eddie Barrows and Eber Ferreira and, and Montos. Uh, colors by Matt Herms. I got a lot of typos there. Wow, this is ridiculous. Uh, and letters by Willie Schubert. So Adam saves a plane, which apparently uh, got him in trouble because uh, he did a similar 
thing in the beginning of this story uh, in the first couple of issues. But uh, apparently some people don't like that uh, because of that. And I don't remember what happened uh, then to, as to why it made it such a big conflict. But nevertheless, um, he kind of goes uh, to tell Malik a story of his past while uh, war uh, is pretty much sitting around eating cookies and waiting around for Adam because, you know, th- there's some things going on. Going on. So uh, Malik's kind of laid out and there, because he was looking for the ring that was, uh, that helped uh, Adam kind of get better with the poisoning that he's, uh, that he's been going through. But Malik also has that same self poisoning and, you know, is going through that. So we'll see how that goes on. This is uh book eight of 12. So just to, uh, let folks know about that. And why does this thing keep going back to last week's books? I do not know. Next book for me um, is sadly the last issue of this book, but it's pretty fun. Uh, Peter Parker and Miles Morales' Spider-Man Double Trouble number four of four. Written by Mar- uh, Mariko Tamaki and Vida Ayala. Art by Guru Huri. Uh, and letters by VC's Corey Pettit. This is a potential click of the week of me, for me. It was because it was fun. This is pretty much an all ages um, of story. You might as well say because it's definitely not in in continuity in, in any respect. Um, so Peter and Miles versus Thanos at a villain convention. There you go. That's the most of it. Um, there's some fun bits in this is where uh, when Thanos gives an, gives this aim um, henchman an autograph and uh, some other things that kind of happen in this. But, um, uh, you know, being that this is the last issue of this, the story wraps up, but potentially uh, could uh, uh, be concluded in another uh, set of stories because at the end, the collector shows up for a reason with a couple of um, creatures in his collection that should not be free Jeff, the land shark. That's all I say. Uh, Uh. But, but of course this is like I said, out of continuity um, and uh, in all ages books. So, but they could come back to this, uh, to this thing. It was kind of cute because the whole thing was wrapped around the fact that miles had taken, well, supposedly taking Miles to a bring your sidekick to work day thing, but there's, I don't know if there is such a thing. And of course, Miles is like, I ain't no sidekick, which he's not, but you know. And um, calamity kind of ensues around this villain convention. So it's a fun read. You should definitely check it out. You know, like I said, it is an all ages thing. Um, so you don't don't feel bad about reading if you're uh, of a certain vintage like, uh, like I am and Agent 70. Next book, excuse me, Star Wars Yoda, uh, number number four, written by Jody Hauser, art by Luke uh, Ross. There we go. Um, Color artist Nolan Woodard and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Uh, So if you're you're looking at the video version, you can see uh, pretty much the crux of the story here. Uh, At the beginning... There's a force ghost of, I'm assuming we know who this is, but I'm at this point, I'm not entirely sure. It could be Qui-Gon. I doubt if it's Dooku, but we, we don't know who it is. But someone's trying to get Yoda's attention 
on uh, Dagobah, Dagobah and he's kind of ignoring them. But then flashes back to a time where Count Dooku was still a Jedi and on the council and uh, Yoda was trying to get him to basically uh, teach the younglings, um, you know, a, a thing or two about a thing or two. Like this was before, you know, all that other stuff went down with uh, Dooku. Uh, but Dooku was still Dooku. Uh, there's a mention of uh, Sifo Dyas, who, if you're a Star Wars fan, you that, that name is of you know of some note in relation to Dooku. Um, and there's also a Wookiee and Trandoshan uh, initiates, you know, to be Jedi's that um, are coming into play here. And the Wookiee Padawan um, has had some disturbing uh, visions. Uh, in relation to Wookiee and Trandoshan relationships, let's just say that uh, Dooku uh, may be trying to stoke, even though he doesn't know the vision himself. So, and they're still trying to make wizard happen. Cause you know, the wizard's been coming up in like the, the, the Mandalorian and stuff like that. And the, I noticed that's been kind of popping up here and there. And I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Don't let, don't let fetch happen. <laughs> don't make fetch happen. Um, and the last book for me, although I do have a couple of, a uh, couple of others, but I won't go through them, uh, from last week and this week. Cause yeah, just that and the other, uh, Tiger Division number four or five. Did you, you didn't, uh, you didn't chance to read this book or did you? I haven't got, I'm, I'm an issue behind. So now two uh, issues behind. Okay. Uh, but I won't go too far into it, but it's written by Emily Kim, uh, art by Kreese Lee, who I'm, I believe, um, Agent 70 knows. Yes. Um, color artist Yen Nitro uh, and letters by VCs Ariana Maher. So I'll just say that there's more backstory, a confession, and uh, we may have found out why Tiger Division was put together. Um, uh, and it all leads to a thing where well, let's just put it this way. If you are watching the video version of the uh, of this here podcast, you can see the cover. And someone comes in at the end of this issue very unexpectedly um, uh, after a thing that uh, has kind of been the, the part of this whole story the whole time. So we shall see how that ends up in the, in the last issue. But that... Uh, is it for me for those? Actually, wait. Uh, hold on a second. Yeah, that's it. That's it. So, I guess we can go with... Cl- oh, actually, you know, I do want to bring up another one from last week. I'm sorry. Uh, really quick. Speaking of Star Wars. So, Star Wars number 31 was from last week. Um, uh, and they're still in no space. Uh, it was written by Charles, Charles So uh, with art by Andres Legenolette. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. So like I said, they're still just trapped in no space and they're just kind of, they're basically getting the lay of the land from this one captain. And uh, we find out there's some high Republic shenanigans may or may not be uh, around here in this uh and the, the one thing I was bringing this up for it was because there is um, an interaction between the two of the Star Wars folk that we are uh, 
that are along for this trip, that being one Holdo and Lando, uh, that started off one way but ended up um, kind of, uh, let's say, different. Now, I don't know if they're making that a thing or not, but apparently it's, it's, it's been made something. So, um, or at least something has just started in the course of that issue. So that was kind of interesting to me. And that, folks, is uh, the end of uh, books. Clicks of the week, sir. <laughs> yeah, right. Clicks of the week, sir. I was about to say, why does that sound like I'm making a reference? I know. I don't know. <laughs> does it sound like it, right? It does, kind of. Clicks of the week, sir. Uh, we did get, let me see. Uh, I think that's for this week. Uh, yes, that's from this week. So we got one from Dirt from this week, um, which was Amazing Spider-Man 20. Which I, 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 I agree. It was a, um, a little behind the scenes that uh, Dirt was catching, said he was catching up with uh, Amazing Spider-Man and he caught the last issue and um, uh, a part that I alluded to kind of struck him funny, as it did us as well. So that was uh, a pretty good and I don't think if we mentioned about this uh this in last week last time's uh Amazing Spider-Man this is not the regular creative team this is a, a guest uh, creative team so that uh the the, the regular creative team kind of guess take a break or something uh for at least that's what it was built in, in issue 19 but um it's it's been a fun thing and I know it was in this I remember in this uh particular issue that Joe Kelly who's the writer in here kind of put some could put a little touch of his all out Spider-Man in here if you remember that, because, you know, uh, you remember this issue where he was like um, the spider sense was uh, written out in his head. He kind of did mm-hmm. some of that in here also. So I was like, yeah, he's kind of put a little bit of his touches in here. As long as it doesn't go Savage Spider-Man again, <laughs> which this is the end of this story. So that's that's not going to happen. Then I'm good with it because we didn't touch that Savage Spider-Man thing for that reason. Went a little too far. Not a little too far, but just gotcha, went a little, gotcha. a little too crazy. You know, yeah. I was about to say, Roddy Cat had so many books. I'm literally like reading through Nightwing 101 from this week. <laughs> well, thanks. I <laughs> I found it interesting myself. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, but in any event, uh, right. So, do you have candidates for last week? Um. Candidates for last week would probably be like FF, um, FF, and maybe X Men. Because um, yeah, I liked X Men. Yeah, I actually speaking of the X Men, that was that was the part I wanted to mention was that like this is there is not too many times where you see Scott kind of rattled, but it's understandable in this case because right. one it has something to do with uh, someone close to him and right. the the antagonist of the book. You know, wait, what is that noise? I don't know. Oh, maybe that's it. That was yeah. me. Oh, okay. That was me. No, I was uh, leaning on a key. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that was just me leaning on a key. Not a problem. Uh, but yeah, as of last week, those would probably be the ones. Um, yeah, I think so. I'm lean. I'm actually leaning towards X Men number nineteen, but I did enjoy <laughs> Fantastic Four number four also. Hmm. So I'm. St- kind of weighing the two 
Um, yeah. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm going to decide on uh, X Men number nineteen, but FF number four was good, as Roddy Cat mentioned earlier. Uh, I we I we both very much appreciate that. Um, Ryan North did not wait or is not waiting a full <laughs> 20 something issues, almost two years worth of books. Yes. In order to tell us what the hell happened. Yeah. Kind of, kind of ridiculous. Like we get it. Don't get, don't, don't, you know, don't add us or anything. We get it, but still. Yeah. No, we understand. We just don't like it. Right. Uh, and for myself for last week, um, I think I'm actually going to go with FF, actually. Oh, there you go. Second. Yeah. Now, for this week, what you got? This week. (laughs) (laughs) Again, folks, it's been two weeks worth of books, and we had, we, between us, read a good bit. So, so you have to bear with us on this one. (laughs) Mm. And I even read that the, as I just so knows that there's between the last couple of weeks I read some stuff that I didn't even talked about. Yeah, so. I mean I did too, but you know it's yeah. I, I try not to fill up the you know I try not to fill up the sheet so so much, right? Uh, um, because we have a special uh, little behind the uh, scenes, we have a little special she- special sheet for for split weeks like this. Yeah, so let let me tell you that I am in between She-Hulk number 10 and Strange Academy Finals number 4 for the reasons I said while I was talking about the books. Okay, sure, sure. Is that, you know, She-Hulk was was really well written and well done and and I really appreciated the the tact and tactfulness that Rainbow Rowell used in 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 writing that story. Mhm. And the Strange Academy Finals number four book, as much as I don't like the idea that that series, that whole run of Strange Academy books is coming to an end, it's going to come to an end eventually. And it seems that uh, Scotty Young and and Humberto Ramos and crew are gearing up for that. So ultimately, uh, you know, having those battle lines being finally drawn, you know, really, you know, got my blood pumping. But I think I'm going to go with She-Hulk number ten because I really just liked, um, I really liked the way that 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 issue was set up, and uh, you know, shout out to Tak Miyazawa who's always such a strong artist and made Roddy Cat and I go back and check his art out <laughs> twice because both of us completely missed the visual cue. And realistically, we probably would have in the way because his art's just that good. So yeah. Um. So yeah, that's a, that's a that's a. That's a pretty good pick, definitely. Um, so I put that up for you. And for myself, for this week, I think my potentials are that Peter Parker and Miles Morales uh, book, which was just very amusing. I uh, enjoyed it. Uh, the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles book also um, was good. The Star Wars Yoda book is actually kind of interesting as to what they're potentially setting up, because you I think I, you can pretty much gather how it's going to go, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, just to kind of see what actually happens and what's going to play out from it is uh, is is going to be the thing. But I think um, 
see who did we'll start with the one. Yeah, I think I'm gonna go with that Peter Parker and Miles Morales book. Uh so Peter Parker and Miles Morales Spider Man uh Double Trouble four of four. But definitely check out that Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Team Ninja, Ninja, Ninja Turtles joint. Actually, check out Darkwing Duck if you're a fan of <laughs> if you're a fan of that and Gargoyles, because you know those are so far have been fun, and I still need to go back and watch Gargoyles because I, yeah. I I haven't uh, haven't taken the chance to do that. But that is definitely going to happen. So here we go, and with that, uh, we come to the end of our books. Uh, we're going to get into the um, the uh, news section, but first, let's get an ad read, which I forgot to ask you about. I was about to say I forgot to pull up. Ah, <laughs> that's how much. That's how many books we had to go through this week, folks. Yeah. So let me pick an ad read out. <laughs> Click into the E. That would be because uh, you know we've been at this for a while, so we know what our second ad read is going to be. But our first ad read. Is going to be for Funko. Fun at first sight. I'm waiting for it to load. It's your home for exclusive collectibles such as their world famous pop vinyl bobbleheads, apparel including t shirts, hats, and socks, and brand merchandise including custom DIY pop figures, art books, and skateboards. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy 10% off your entire purchase when shopping at Funko. To place your first order with 10% off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Funko link and place your order. When you get to the checkout, put in the offer code SHOP10 for your 10% off discount. Funko through cspn.us. Do it today. And now we get into the news. Cinematic news. Oh, great. Cinematic news as we do about this time. First up, uh, apparently Bob Iker says that Kevin Feige was almost fired from Marvel back in 2015. Um, So... It says here that Marvel fans have heard a version of the story before and that back in 2020, Mark Ruffalo told the independent that Feige was ready to walk away from the studio on his own. After the first Avengers movie hit the twenties, hit the theaters back in 2012, because apparently um, Ike Perlmutter, who was a, um, who still oversaw Marvel's film projects at the time, shot down Feige's ideas to make the MCU a more inclusive space for female black and uh, LGBTQ superheroes. It wasn't until 2015 that corporate restructuring took Perlmutter out of the equation and allowed Feige to report directly to then-chairman Alan Horn, which paved the way for uh, films, according to this article, like uh, Black Panther, Captain America, and The Eternals to finally get uh, greenlit. So... It says here that uh, apparently the the part about Perlmutter actually trying to oust Feige from the studio was brand new information, though. Uh, Iger dropped this bombshell while he's ta- while he was talking to CNBC about Wendy's company chair chairman Nelson Peltz's recently failed bid to get a seat on Disney's board, which Perlmutter su- Perlmutter supported. Uh, when asked why Perlmutter was so insistent on having Peltz, Peltz join the company, Iger remarked that the pair have a curious dynamic. So, boardroom drama for folks. Uh, it says here, quote, uh, they have a relationship that dates back to quite some time. 
Uh, we And it goes back to when they bought Marvel and so on and so on and so on. But you can read the article, the rest of that, uh, for yourself. Next up. All right. So uh, Marvel's Kevin Feige almost let a big spoiler <clears throat> slip out in an interview. So uh, in a live stream, in, in a live streamed interview with Marvel.com on the Ant-Man red carpet, the spoiler averse Marvel chief caught himself before giving away a big spoiler, quote unquote, while discussing uh, Jonathan Majors' multiple roles in Loki and Quantumania. So basically he's just talking about uh, the sequence of, uh, of filming. And at some point he says, we've already done something. And he stops himself because he's about to give everyone a big spoiler. Right. And that big spoiler has something to do with one of the end credits. If you didn't yeah, say. Pretty so, much. Yeah. We won't we won't say what, but there you go. <clears throat> uh speaking of Kevin Feige, he also says that Tom Holland's Spider-Man 4 is being re- is being written. Uh he told this to well, he says, and I quote, All I will say is that we have a story, uh, as he told Entertainment Weekly. Uh, we have big ideas for that, that being the fourth Spider-Man movie, and our writers are just putting pen to paper now. So, shock and surprise, there's going to be, there's potentially going to be another Spider-Man movie. Right. And Water's Wet. With Black Cat as the female lead. That is speculation on our part, and I I don't see any reason why that wouldn't be the case. So, but we'll see. You know, know, that's what it seems. Yeah. All right, next up, Paul Rudd talks about getting to meet Stanley and reveals what the comic creator told him about Ant-Man. In this article, okay. Yeah, I was gonna uh, check that out, that article. It was a it was a uh, interview with Q, GQ uh, mm-hmm. where he was talking about this. And there's a quote here, which you, again you can you can check out for yourself. But it was, you know, Rip Stanley also. Uh, actually, speaking of Ant Man, I just noticed there was an article about the 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 young lady that plays Gentura, uh, which uh, I won't bring up here, but. Um, uh, I was doing some research into her. Yeah, she, we, you've seen her. You may not have known you've seen her, but you've seen her because she's been in Mandalorian, Black Lightning, and uh, Agents of Shield also. So she's she's been in the Marvel Universe a few different times uh, already before this Ant Man movie. But anyway, uh, Stella Meggie is to direct Marvel's Wonder Man episodes, or uh, according to this article. So. We have at least one director of that series that is uh, still coming. And apparently, uh, Destin Daniel Cretton is also going to direct a couple of episodes as well. Uh, Andrew Guest is aboard to write the series as well, according to uh, Dayline, which uh, says that Marvel has no comment at this time, which, no surprise, there. Next up. So, we're going back in time a little bit to the Super Bowl. Marvel Studios unveiled a new TV spot for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 during the Super Bowl. So, go back and watch that. Uh, We get to see a lot of cool images of the uh, blue suits, you know, the blue uniforms that the Guardians are going to sport at least some of the time in this upcoming movie. Yeah, there was also um, there was another article that I took out about the the theater standees of them wearing the suit, but I was like, yeah, I'll take it out because the the trailer is a mm-hmm. is a bigger deal and shows the suits. So yeah, if you hadn't seen it by now, check, go check it out. Unless you're just trying to stay spoiler free, respectful though. 
Uh, next up. Actually, let me sure, make sure that's good. I didn't skip anything because I thought I did. Nope. Cool. Um, Steven Yoon th- joins Marvel Studios' uh, uh, Thunderbolts picture in a key role, according to this article. So, um, yeah, following his uh, Oscar-nominated role in Minari and Steam Ceiling Part Nope, which I haven't seen, Steven Yoon uh, has continued to show his range as he's now looking to add Marvel's uh, Marvel movie to his resume. Says here that uh, sources tell Deadline that he's going to be in Thunderbolts, but the part has in a part that is not only significant to this film, but it could also play a role going forward in future films of the MCU. So we don't know who that is. And I'm trying to figure out who that, who that could be. Cause we already know Harrison Ford playing Thunderbolt Ross. So could it be the beyonder? I mean, I don't know why the Beyonder would be in Thunderbolts, but still. So, yeah, that's interesting. Um, wait, isn't he also um, Invincible, right? He's the one voicing Invincible? Yeah. Yeah. So, they don't say that in office, uh, um, on this article, but I figured that, that came up someplace. Um, cool. Next up. As announced by Marvel, a short one-act version of Rogers the Musical is slated to debut at the Hyperion Theater in California Adventure Park this summer, which is Disney California Adventure Park at the Disneyland Resort for a limited time. Because they can do it all day. (laughs) I almost took a clip of, of, of that song. I was like, no, I'm not. I'm doing it. It'll probably get taken. <laughs> probably get dinged for it anyway. So, but yeah, that whole Rogers the musical thing is in some way coming to an actual way, which I guess we kind of felt like that was going to happen. I, I feel like we've even, we might've said it was going to happen because it was just, there's no way they would have put all that production into that and not actually make that a thing in some respect. Yeah, exactly. Make it replicable. You know, right. they could replicate that. Mm hmm. Deadpool 3 adds the crown star Emma Corrin, maybe as the villain, according to this article. So, Deadline reports that Corrin will portray a villain. We got that. Uh, Corrin seemingly confirmed the casting news on Instagram, sharing a screenshot of Deadline's story and cash- captioning like, holy hell. Um, says, let's see who's directing it, which is yada yada. Uh, what she's doing now, but yeah, no other, there's no other, um, we don't know who it's going to be. So, uh, if you don't know that person, Emma Corrin, she was, uh, Princess Diana in the crown. If you watch that next up. Ah, so in a spoiler from the voice of Wolverine, Cal Dodd. So, uh, he, in a tweet that has since been deleted, Dodd shared, quote, yesterday's studio season two, great session, Wolverine, hashtag Wolverine, hashtag X-Men. And then the Marvel snipers came out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Next up. <laughs> that plus the fact that we haven't even gotten the first season of that revival yet. So, right. yeah, you know, the snipers going to be on deck for that. <laughs> <laughs> um. 
Let's see. Oh, American Born Chinese teaser reveals guest stars and magical locker, apparently. So it says here that any fans of this is this article saying this is not me, but any fan of everything everywhere at once all at once, which I still haven't watched yet, will want to check out American Born Chinese when it premieres on Disney Plus sometime this spring. Based on Jean Luen Yang's comic about a uh, young student wrestling with both his Chinese and American identities and literal mythological mythological figures, the series stars um, Oscar nominees Ki Hu Kwan and Michelle Yeoh, among others. Um, but just, just saw him on some late night. He's, he's, he's still kind of cool. It's kind of funny. Um, and also still kind of sounds like short round. We even, even this many times, this much, uh, this much later, but it says here that the, the trailer doesn't reveal a lot about the story, but it shows a school hallway trash by battling Chinese deities, as well as a magic locker that opens into a family fantasy realm. And the trailer is uh, in this article, which, weirdly enough, almost sounds like the Land of Witch in the Wardrobe, but we won't go, we won't get to get to that. So, next up. Uh, as Broadcat mentioned, it is part of our discussion of the bounty of pop culture and... Uh, genre content we are about to enjoy in the month of March. (laughs) Mandalorian creator Jon Favreau has pointed fans to YouTube to catch up before the drop of season three. Especially since you might be feeling a little lost if you did not watch the book of Boba Fett. Yeah. It's almost, a, it's, I, I don't want to say that's an indictment of that, but <laughs> I feel like yeah, if, he's, if he's saying that, it's like, hmm, he knows a lot of people didn't watch that show. Right. He's just like, hey, just go to YouTube. Right. So, yeah, because I guess they're putting up, a, which I do for certain shows, putting up a, a, a catch-up video for uh, for this kind of stuff, which I do, I remember seeing on my time, Twitter timeline, I know someone actively saying, like, yeah, I don't remember anything that happened in uh, Mandalorian Season 2. So, which is, it's been a while, so I can't, I can't say I blame him because I barely remember what happened also, except for uh, one or two parts. Right. I mean, listen, we, 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 we go through a lot of content here on this show, folks, so it's hard to remember everything. And time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping. Yep. Pretty much. And of course, I'm getting too old for this shit. Yep. Valiant Comics' Faith movie. Remember that? Moving forward at Paramount uh, sets new writer. I feel like this is something that was like for like a good half a decade ago <laughs> that they've been trying to get off the ground. Huh? Wait, what was that? Oh, well, you remember? Hey, look, Valiant was a thing. It's, it's still a thing. I shouldn't say that, but and they've been they had been trying to get some. Well, actually, wait, they did get one because they got that bloodshot thing. That's off, right. Oh, uh, with Vin Diesel. I forgot. So they did actually get a live action movie off the ground. Um. Yeah. And I don't know too many people who actually watch that movie. Um, but it's, according to Variety, a live-action faith movie, which I do remember had, again, long gestating, uh, is in early development at Paramount with Emily Carmichael of, oh no, <laughs> Pacific Rim Uprising and Jurassic World Domination is, uh, is what they're crediting this person with. Uh, attached to film, film the, to, to pin the screenplay. 
uh, Neil Moritz and Toby Jaffe are producing for original film with Dan Mintz producing for, for Valiant Entertainment. The, previ- the project was previously being developed at Sony Pictures with uh, screenwriter Maria Melnick of American Gods attached. Um, so, yeah. And apparently it says here that uh, Valiant Comics title Harbinger also remains in development at Paramount as a part of the VCU. Uh, Harper Center is being set to, to be directed by Paul Downs um, Colizo. Uh, I have no idea who, what these are, these credits of theirs are. And Wes Ball, um, who was previously attached to the film. So, yeah, they're good on them for still trying to get some stuff off the ground, I guess, uh, over there at Valiant. Next up. So, this is some petty stuff in this article. I I just read through like the nitty gritty the nitty gritty details on this. Mm-hmm. So, as part of Warren Beatty's uh, deal, when he uh, directed, produced, and starred in the uh, Dick Tracy movie back in 1990, he ended up purchasing. He previously had purchased the rights, the movie rights, to the character in 1985. So, in the years following, they tried to do a sequel, but it never happened. The Tribune Publishing Company, which owns the Dick Tracy comic book strip rights, filed a lawsuit against Beatty to get the movie rights back. But just like Sony. Beatty keeps putting out just enough Dick Tracy content in order to maintain the rights. He previously had done a Dick Tracy special that aired on Turner Classic Movies exactly one time. Uh, This is previously. Now, apparently, Friday, February 10th, he also had, he also was part of a Dick Tracy special that was set to air on Turner Classic Movies. Titled Dick Tracy Special, Tracy Zooms In. That's wild. He's just trying to hold on to that because IP is so valuable nowadays. Right. I mean, now granted, Dick Tracy as a movie wasn't bad. He didn't, he actually didn't do a bad job on that one. But it's also been a while. If we had a Discord and, 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 and uh, could watch said type movies of this nature, probably this would probably be one of them that would come up. I think I don't remember much of that movie at all. I did not see that in the theaters. <laughs> I don't remember where and when I watched it. It might have been like on cable when I was in college. I think that might have been the case for me as well because I don't. I it's possible that I might have watched this in the theater, but don't don't think so. So, but like I said, it wasn't a bad movie. It, it was, I guess, I guess true to the character and whatnot. It had the feel of it, but it was. At the time, comic book-based movies were not great. This would probably be one of the better ones, but this was also right after uh, uh, Tim Burton Batman also, so the bar was kind of, ended up being set kind of kind of high after right. that. So, but I did not know about these specials of his, and as you said earlier, yeah, it's kind of petty, but we, are, we know why he's doing it, so. Right. It's funny, because you could have probably picked a better IP, but hey, if you have some affinity to it, you go. Right, but it's thing. like the less, if I recall, the special effects budget didn't did not have to be very big at all. Yeah, that, a lot of that stuff was practical, or could have been right. practical. Yes, correct. That's how I remember it. So yeah, so there is that. 
Uh, but next up, uh, John Black was almost hoping to return for the R-rated reboot of Spawn. Not necessarily as his original role of the clown from the 1997 film, but in some capacity. Um, and I'm pretty much paraphrased most of the article. But he says here, in an interview with comicbook.com, the actor, well, I said, I that, expressed interest uh, in appearing in a different role for, uh, for the long in development reboot. Quote, I don't know if I can play clown again if lightning strikes twice like that. Uh, Leguizamo said, but I'd love to do a cameo again somehow, end quote. So, this is another movie, again, around, uh, around, actually, the same time, around the same time. Um, yeah, it was, it was a, it was a thing. I vaguely remember that, but also remember his performance to a bit. It was like, not having that much of an affinity to fall, to spawn and only remembering that HBO uh, animated thing that they did, which I think I still have somewhere on, on VHS. That's pretty much how it how it start and stops. I don't even remember watching all of the Spawn movie. Yeah, it it's kind of forgettable. I would probably say if it was a if it was a choice to watch, and I'm going strictly on memory, watching Spawn and watching either of the Ghost Rider movies, I'd probably watch Spawn. Mm. Uh, shout out to Michael J. White. I guess also who was spawned next up. Ah, I would get the story. Of course you would. <laughs> we did get a full fast, fast 10 trailer and, um, it was pretty fun. We do get a full look at, uh, Jason Momoa's bad guy character, but we also get, and you know what sold me and it's fast. So it's not going to take much to sell me. But they put, you know, the Biggie Bone Thugs track into the trailer, and I was done. I was in. As soon as I heard that, I was like, I'm in. They, the way they cut it was really done well also. So yeah, Agent 70, yeah, Agent 70 uh, contacted me after he saw it, which I had not seen it at the, at the time. He mentioned he was kind of all in. I was like, yeah. I was, like he said, it wouldn't take much to, to get us into this. But, yeah, it was definitely well played and well laid with the, the, the Biggie Bone Thugs track. Yep. On top of everything else that's going on in that craziness. Also, yeah. I had flashbacks of Brazil from that one part of it. <laughs> this is Brazil. And unfortunately, well, fortunately, unfortunately, if you watch the trailer, you kind of get where they're going with this because it pretty much lays out Jason Momoa's relation to things and it's not surprising giving fast and furious at this point because <laughs> things course. have a tendency to come back and forth in the, in this series right and what's funny about it is that they do tie it into the most like the most pivotal movie uh-huh. other than the first movie the the movie they tie it into is the most pivotal movie right because that's the movie that sends us down this crazy train that's been on, that we've all been on for right. a while now. Right. They kind of do a thing here, kind of, and not to give it too, way, too much away of it, but it's a trailer that's been out there. They kind of do the same similar thing as what they did with uh, Jason, Jason Statham's character. 
And speak, which speaking of, there was a moment in that trailer. I wish like y'all need to do something with these two characters. <laughs> well, setting it up. Thankfully, it's Hope like so. they were. It's like you know. It's like they knew that everyone had been waiting for this. Everyone had been waiting impatiently for this, but they knew this was going to be part of the setup for the last two movies. Right. Um, also, this is what I need. Hashtag uh, reunion for Han and Giselle. I know yeah. I know it's yeah, not gonna happen. Like I kinda but... wanna see her come back now. Yes. Especially given the fact that Wonder Woman three has been taken off the board. Yeah, but even even if that wasn't the case, I would have, you know, like, come on, this is the this is gonna be the end of this uh thing for now. So they 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 brought back almost everybody else. <laughs> right, 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 right. They should bring back Giselle. Yes. Do it do it for Han. Hell, do it for us and Han. Exactly. <laughs> Because that still pisses me off, and I'm not going to go through it right now, because like, <laughs> like, how did the same thing happen to two different characters, but one came back? Just so happened to miraculously uh, make it. Anyway, let us move on. Uh, 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 <laughs> Actually, I think you might have mentioned this, and, and I feel I almost feel similarly to go back and kind of rewatch all of those. But I feel like it hasn't been too terribly long since I've watched all of those. Because uh, I know we, me and wife did a rewatch uh, right before the last one came out. Okay. Uh, and I showed her this below. She was like, uh, okay. <laughs> well, yep, that's kind of the right response. <laughs> that's right. So, that's right. Um, next up, though, um, Transformers Rise of the Beast Super Bowl kickoff trailer teased released. So, yeah, there was a, you know, the, the Super Bowl brought many things. Who cares about the sports ball? Shout out to whoever won. But, Trailers abound, including I think one or two that I didn't put in here. I think the was the I can't remember if the Indiana Jones trailer was in uh, was out there, but I don't, it might not have been. Who knows? But regardless, there was another teaser for Transformers: Rise of the Beast. It was all right. I don't know if I'll watch that in theaters, but I am kind of more curious about it. Yeah, it does say that um, the Indiana Jones one came out. I don't have a thing for it, but oh well. Um. Yeah, more interested than I was, but I don't know. It's still a Transformers movie, and I think I can't remember if Bay's still involved with it. Uh, um, and I still haven't seen the majority of those, and I'm a Transformers fan. That doesn't mean you watch everything, but still. Yeah, I was about to say, I, I don't remember watching the Transformers Rise of the Beast teaser trailer. Yeah. So, next up. All right, so I'm going to combine these next two. Okay, yeah. Uh, right, so we got a first look poster for DC's The Flash movie, and it features DC Universe's colliding. It has the, the image of it has uh, Ezra Miller's The Flash standing in the Batcave of Michael Keaton's Batman. And the the follow up story is obviously the premiere of the Flash Super Bowl TV spot, and that's that was basically the first trailer for the Flash movie, and. It got a lot of people, you know, and 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 the you know that TV spot led into the drop of a new trailer, and uh, together that got people that I know excited. Yeah, same and here. Very, very. It produced very conflicting feelings in a lot of people. Yes, for reasons we have been through before, talking about this movie and the star of exactly, exactly. So, actually, it's kind of funny on my side, it's similar, but also. Apparently, some people didn't know Keaton was in this because people were like, "Oh my goodness, Keaton Batman!" I'm like, "Wait, this is this has kind of been news for a good minute now." So, but you know, 
not everybody kind of keeps up with with everything, which rightly so. But also, I feel like that that news was a, out there enough to where people would have known. So it was kind of right. surprising to see people still hyped and su- surprised that that was the case. Right, 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 right. So ultimately, you know, I was in the theater for Ant-Man when that came up and, you know, it got a lot of people buzzing. So, yes, same. Um, yeah, no, that's enough to say about that. Oh, joy. Um, I've, you know what? You want this one as a, as a, as a, as a palate cleanser? <laughs> so I was disappointed <clears throat> That John Wick Chapter 4, the latest trailer, was not included in my showing of Ant-Man, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. I think it was in mine. Ah, oh, yeah. you lucky. I think so. So, yeah. the movie's coming out soon. March mm-hmm. 24th. I do not yet have tickets, but we will let you know if I and Erotica will be on movie protocol for that Thursday. It might be a safe uh, bet. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and so, put it out as a safe bet. Right. So ultimately, uh, the trailer has a lot of cool action in it, and it does show him getting a helping hand from a new dog. Yes. So I am very excited to see this just because, you know, yeah. How's that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even though um, the last couple of Wick movies were like, hmm, it's still more of the same, but still good. I'm still interested enough to check this out. Yep. And uh, the, actually, I'm kind of curious. And I remember seeing Tim, um, uh, our, our, our partner, Tim, Tim Dog 98. I think he saw this and I think he was interested. And I think he had just finally saw the first one. First really? Movie. Yeah, recently. Was that, yeah, on Twitter? Remember that was a while ago. He was like, yeah, I need to check out one of those. And he finally did. Wait, wait. Did he finally say? Did he mention that on Twitter? I just haven't been on. I the think social. so. Yeah, it's been it's been a probably a few days to a week or so, um, or a couple cool. of weeks. When he I'll said, make sure yeah. to jump on that and 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 res- and respond to that because you know, I just enjoy it. I enjoy the Wick movies. You know, he's so good in those. Yeah, Gun. lots of guns. <laughs> yes. Um. Uh, you got next. next up. Yep. Uh, Star Trek. Uh, well, I mentioned this earlier, but I'll just reiterate it here. Star Trek Season 3's premiere is streaming on YouTube for free. So you can go check that out if you, uh, if you have, if you're in the U.S., by the way. If you are, if you happen to be coming to us from overseas, hey, let us know. But also, sadly, or, or if you have those three magic letters that you can circumvent that, um, which I don't think you will have to, well, let me not say that. Regardless, you it's out there on YouTube uh, the, for the first episode. So yeah, you can check that out. Um, which was nice of them to do. So and it is attached to this article, but again, like I said, uh, you know, uh, uh, territory restrictions aren't sure to be bound, but I'm sure resourceful people will find their way around that. Because uh, it was a good episode. Check definitely check it out. Next up. We're in in the category story. of why oh, Warner Brothers is what's that? Oh, hold on a second. Oh, right. I forgot to put this. In. You carry on. I forgot to put this in. There we go. All right. In a category of why Warner Brothers is revamping the Lord of the Rings film franchise on a Thursday earnings call. 
Warner Brothers Discovery CEO David Zaslav announced that newly installed studio leaders Mike DeLuca and Pam Abdi or Abdi have brokered a deal to make multiple films based on the beloved J.R.R. Tolkien books. The projects will be developed through WB label New Line Cinema. And uh, no filmmakers have been attached to the project as yet. But in a statement to Variety, Peter Jackson, who put together the first Lord of the Rings trilogy and the trilogy based on Tolkien's The Hobbit, um, said that uh, Warner Brothers has kept he and his other Lord of the Rings collaborators, Fran Walsh and Philippa Boyens, uh, in the loop every step of the way. Um, seriously? Like, these movies are, like, timeless. Yeah, and as we said earlier before the show, like, there's not really much else they can do that Agent 70 posted, that, that, yeah, that, have, that they're not already doing, because we're already getting that uh, that uh, Amazon show that's pretty much the prequel to all of it. Um, right. The, the only thing that's left is the Cimmerillion. <laughs> right. And I think they've been so using parts of that for stuff. Right. Right, so I think they ultimately are just going to retell the story of the three uh, uh, of the rings, uh, right. you know, of the Lord of the Rings again. Yes, and again, why? Now, granted, they could very well do a, a Star Wars thing and be like, well, you know what? There was other things going on around that, which, but then, but also, let's face it, the Amazon uh, show is kind of already doing some of that. Right. So yeah, I don't, I don't know what else. What else this is? I mean, outside of an obvious cash grab. Right. Um, and, or just an updating, you know, because I, I, I guess as we, you know, continue to uh, live, you know, live this, you know, like literally every second of every day. Boy, I'm getting too old for this shit. <laughs> what's old is new again. And ultimately, you know, we're just now starting to see the things that we thought were, you know, like really good parts of our young adulthood are already ripe for remaking and reimagining. Yeah. Yeah. What the hell? Also the embracer group embracing things as they tend to do. Right. All right. Uh, anime corner. Oh, This will be short, actually, because there's only a couple of things. Uh, Demon Slayer Season 3 premiere tickets are now on sale, which I believe Agent 70 said he's... uh, That's next weekend. It is next weekend. Um, It's next weekend. I got tickets already. I'm I'm in. (laughs) Yep. I was just looking at my calendar for next week uh, uh, because someone asked me about what what I was doing on Saturday. I was like, oh, snap. I already got something that, that evening. I got... I'm er, I'm free earlier in the day, but that evening I'm tied up. I am watching Demon Slayer. <laughs> so yeah, so uh, if you did not know, and I'm not sure how how you didn't, uh, Demon Slayer's special theatrical premiere to the Swords with uh, Swords Myth Village will be hitting theaters across North America on March 3rd. Uh, features uh, episodes 10 and 11 of the Entertainment District, which was the last two uh, coming out of it. Um, and combined with an extended version of episode one of the Swordsmith Village arc. Tickets are now on sale uh, for the 4K remastered edition of the series. Um, I would almost be curious to go to that 
but I kind of just want to just wait and like I'm I feel like that extended part uh, thing is going to probably come to Crunchyroll or whatever at some point but at some times I kind of want to see it plus I vaguely remember I remember how the last season ended but I wouldn't mind seeing it again I guess big screen that's what I'm looking for there is that yes so uh, stay tuned for for uh, H70's impressions on that come come that time. March is going to be an, an interesting month around here and <laughs> <laughs> for content. It's going to be crazy. Oh man, this is because yeah, we got there's a few things. Looks at Patark, We'll get to that later on. But anyway, um, uh, it's so a lot. In, in sad news, Leiji Matsumoto, legendary manga creator, has passed away at the age of 85. In a statement, Studio Leijisha said he died of acute heart failure on February 13th. He was known for his epic science fiction sagas, including Galaxy Express 999, Queen Emeraldas, and Space. Ah, you'll know this one: Space Battleship Yamato. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've seen all of that. I, I, Galaxy Express 999 I've heard of, but I've never seen. Um, Spaceship Battleship, Space Battleship Yamato, I don't think I've seen all of, but I definitely have seen some of. Right, I've seen some of that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, rest in peace to a legend, because apparently he, has, he, he had done a whole lot uh, of uh, old school stuff, that was, including like uh, you know, Captain Harlock, which a lot of people in, uh, in the animated, older folks in the anime space mm-hmm. would probably know. Some some younger, I don't want to, you know, whatever. Star Blazers uh, also, some people might know. So yeah, he's been um been in a lot of stuff. Apparently Daft Punk was uh was fans of his work. And that surprises me not. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, none no surprises there. Uh but anywho's My Hero Academia preview features Deku Nagant. Is that how you pronounce that? War? I, I think it's Nagant. Nagant? Okay. Uh, says here that the Paranormal Liberation War might be, have come to an end with the Heroes of Class 1A and the uh, Hero Society victorious, but My Hero Academia has never made things tougher for Deku and his allies. With uh, Midori taking a much darker approach in holding together civilization in the face of villains running amok, his newest opponent has deep ties to an unexpected organization in the Public Safety Commission, which almost sounds like Chainsaw Man, but, you know, whatever. Uh, now new preview images have arrived, giving fans a closer look at the battle that pits Deku against the nefarious sniper Lady Nagant. So, and then it goes into digging into spoiler territory, but not so really. Hey, some things happen, and I'll leave it at that. You can read it for yourself in the article in the show notes. Next up. So, we're going to go over into... Is there a new spillover? No, no, no. Uh, okay, so we're going over into the actual manga. Actually, no, we're just going over to the comic book notes, because there's no manga, manga stuff. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, so this is the Expanse Dragon Tooth. Okay, I see. It's yeah. a Boom Studio story. Okay. It's all right. So, uh, the immersive universe of the Expanse has captured the imaginations of science fiction fans around the globe. Um, I have never watched that show, but I've heard good things about it. It's a good show. Uh, let's see. So, 
Uh, under the direct supervision and creative guidance of the Expanse creator, James S.A. Corey, superstar writer Andy Diggle, and rising star artist Rubin, or Rubine, bring the Expanse Dragontooth, the first new story since the stunning finale episode of season six of the show. Pre-orders for this uh, book began on Kickstarter recently as the latest Boom Deluxe pre-order campaign, ending its first day with a record-breaking total of $342,214. Okay. Which beats uh, uh, Berserker's. Right. I didn't even know that Berserker was a Kickstarter uh, uh, opener, too. That's wild. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So... But yeah, the uh, the Expanse is a hard sci-fi uh, show. You can, if you got Amazon, you can check it out there because it's, it's all there. But yeah, it's a good show. Um, I need to catch up on the last couple of seasons though because I forgot that, that I had not when they went over the Amazon. I forgot I had not watched any of it. Anywho, uh, IDW reveals the cover for May's Dark Spaces Good Deeds Number One, which is the second comic book miniseries uh, in the New York Times best-selling author. Boy, they made this made a note of this. Scott Snyder's curated line of IDW publishing original projects, uh, which has been shrouded in secrecy. This eerie historical thriller of obsession, power, and redemption, carefully kept from the public, waiting for just the right uh, time to surface. And that time is now, according to this article. Uh, in anticipation of the series launch in May, IDW has unveiled the ethereal cover artwork for the first issue. Uh, giving the first tantalizing taste of the six-issue miniseries written by Che Grayson, with art by Kelsey Ramsey, and colors by Rhonda Patterson. Um, it says here, the unifying theme of Scott Snyder's Dark Spaces line is the exploration of decisions made and the irreversible actions taken by desperate people in the desperate situations. Uh, and it kind of goes on from there. So, yeah, if that's, any of that sounds uh, interesting to you, you can check that out in May. Next up. All right. So Superman has made his first appearance in Sean Gordon Murphy's <clears throat> so-called Murphyverse with Batman Beyond the White Knight number eight. And basically this is about uh, the suit, the look of the Superman suit in the Batman Beyond the White Knight or the White Knight universe. And uh, apparently he has no belt. Yeah, that came. This came out last week, and I had had every intentions of reading. It. In fact, actually, I started reading it and totally forgot I didn't finish it. Oh no! Um, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm gonna have to catch up on that because I did not. Because given where that story was at, I'm like I wasn't well, up until I saw this article. I was like, wait, Superman's in this some somewhere? But all right, cool. Uh, but yeah. The Murphyverse stuff is good. Check it out if you haven't. Uh, I, I I know I say that a lot, but it, it it it's very good. And I'm not a real big Batman, you know, person, but I think it's some good stuff. Uh, DC to launch new Titans series by Tom Taylor and Nicholas Scott. Um, so yeah, uh, in May as a part of the D- Dawn of DC initiative, the former Teen Titans are. Uh, Oh, wait, it says here the former two Titans aren't teens anymore. Duh. And in the series, they step into the void left by the Justice League, which I think we had a similar story to that a couple of weeks back. But uh, the first issue will be released on May 16th, uh, 2023, with a cover by Nicholas Scott, variants by Jim Lee and Jim Bartel, uh, variants by Dan Mora and Simone DeMeo, and a foil variant by Scott, whoever that is. Um, and it goes on to talk about other 
uh, dawn of DC stuff that is also coming out soon, such as Shazam number one, Green Lantern, uh, Cyborg number one, which I think we've talked about previously. So, next up. All right, so we have some preview art of Avengers number one. It's already been announced as being written by Jed McKay with art by CF Via. It's going to be on sale May 17th, 2023. And we've got some looks at uh, covers, including some of the um, announced covers. So, you know, hit, hit up this article to take a look at this preview of this art. I like that, um, that Scarlet Witch cover. Um, weird side note uh speaking of this team i i found myself uh in relation to i think reading in uh in invincible iron man uh going back and checking around the stuff that was around that time period and mm-hmm. uh, we talked about armor wars but i did not realize that war machine uh pretty much got well Rhodey as war machine pretty much got to start in the pages of adventures west coast which i did not remember because that was near the end of that book of which i think i still have all of but still i, I don't i didn't remember that being the case and even so go so far as the war machine showed up in that book a couple of issues before but not officially as that and this was around the time that when tony was like quote unquote dead or something like so it, it kind of took me down a rabbit hole of you know, West Coast Avengers, going through the whole West Coast Avengers line that I think I might end up re- rereading, and like Armor Wars and around that time with um, with uh, Tony and, and Rhodey. So, it, it was kind of uh, amusing. And also, in relation, going back to like Scarlet Witch and, you know, the whole vision getting tucked apart and going through all of that and realizing when certain things happen in the West Coast Avengers book at, at various times. Because that book kind of went places. Anywho, uh, the, this is uh, some big news for from this past week. The transformation yes. of the Marvel Universe begins in Jonathan Hickman and Brian Hitchman's, Hicks, Hitch's Ultimate Invasion. I was about to say, you just, you just smooshed their names together. Yeah, I know, right? Hitchman. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh, you know what? Sure, it works. Uh, so just announced at Entertainment Weekly, it says here, two of comic books industry's most innovative and exciting creatives creative creators are teaming up you know what i i'd agree with that are teaming up to reshape the marvel universe as you know it this june joined jonathan hickman and artist brian hitch in ultimate invasion a revolutionary four issue saga that presents a surprising new chapter for the for ultimate comics and bold new strides for iconic he, uh, marvel heroes uh which actually reminds me of something that i almost mentioned when talking about a book from like last week because an ultimate character gets name dropped in the wasp is the wasp uh book and it, it appears that uh that character and, and several others are coming up in this such thing um including the illuminati by the way is coming back according to this article so uh, we haven't seen them in a while, uh, and we know they've already been touched on in the MCU. So hey, <laughs> I wonder why they're coming. Let me stop. Stop doing that. Um, but this article kind of goes through a, a little short synopsis of what could be going on in this. Uh, it's been a while since we've seen any ultimate characters outside of one Miles Morales to the Maker, and I can't. Um, I don't think we've seen too many other ultimate characters. In the, in the last few years. 
that I can remember. But this this article also mentions those two that I mentioned also. So I'm curious of this. Uh, and Hickman around here has always been a, a, a good source of talk for us. Because even at the, uh, at the show's beginning of Comic Book Chronicles, um, not too long later was Secret Wars and the lead up to it and Hickman's run of Avengers and everything that we all pretty much enjoyed. Uh, the majority of so looking forward to this hopefully we'll have uh tim back on the show and have him bring up hickman mumbo jumbo of which i'm sure there will be some because <laughs> that was a phrase that definitely came up around that time in, in during the course of all that stuff and i can't imagine even though he only has four issues of this there's definitely going to be some hickman mumbo jumbo i just here. i feel like it's going to be jam-packed with the mumbo jumbo oh when i saw goodness. the issue count mm-hmm. when i saw the issue count i was thinking what is hickman going to do right in four issues and obviously there is the, there's something to be said for brevity right but at the same time, you have to think that Hickman would not be on this if it didn't mean something for the greater Marvel universe. And something that's probably going to be touched on again some, uh, somewhere else. Right. So, yeah, I, I agree with you there. Hell, hell, the Avengers stuff, what he did with the Hawksbox and the Avengers, uh, I mean, uh, the X-Men stuff that we're still talking about. Exactly. Which exactly. almost ended earlier than what it what it has. So... Right, he would have wrapped up Hoxpox a while ago mm-hmm. if it were not for the fact that other creators wanted to play in that sandbox. Of which we were glad about because, yeah, there's, there's, there's more, they could have, you know, yeah, there's, there's stuff that could be set to, done here and they're kind of... Right, I mean, they're playing in that whole Sins of Sinister thing right now and, and you know, it's it's okay. I'm just not that big a fan of Sinister as a character, but Gillen loves, loves him apparently. Yeah, so. yeah. So and they're still, you know, heading all that off um, this fall. So we're still going to see into that stuff or some semblance right. of soon. But Hickman and Hitch actually just reminds me that I still want to kind of go back and read some of that ultimate stuff. I know I've mentioned it before because there's the only stuff I remember ever actually reading are like the first two Ultimates um, mm-hmm. trades. Gotcha. And probably a little bit of Spider-Man around the time that he that Peter died and Miles came in. Gotcha. And you know, around that, uh, well, I probably, I think I did read one or two issues of the first, first uh, Spider stuff. But yeah, some of that stuff I don't know about. And I, oh, and the Galactus stuff, I think I might have touched around, but never really read because, like, what the hell is this <laughs> in that universe? So that's something. If we were still doing evergreen episodes, we may have touched on some of that. I don't know. Or may still. Who just to say? We got a lot of stuff on that list. Anyway. Next up. Sorry, that went a little too long. Next, needed to be yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> Next up, Black Panther. <laughs> I was like, uh, Black Panther's current solo title is about to end uh, under the uh, guidance of John Ridley with March 8th's Black Panther number 15. So that is within a week. Um well, Marvel is wasting no time, though, because the next run of Black Panther starts up in June with a number one issue written by Eve L. Ewing with art by Chris Allen. And now we've gotten a look at the redesign of the costume. I'm not the biggest fan of this redesign, to be honest. I think it's a little busy. 
And I feel bad for the next set of artists that want, that that have to keep drawing it. I'm, I don't know. I have seen the buzz on this out, out there on the Twitterverse, and some people like it, and a couple of people don't don't like it. I don't know. I'm still kind of on the fence of it myself. Yeah, I think the cape's a bit much, but it's also, or the I guess, well, the shoulder piece. Yeah, it's not necessarily a cape. It's more like a kind of a cow shawl, like he's in the desert or something. But regardless, yeah. Right. I, I, which I'm, for some strange reason, taking as a callback to when he had the little mini cape. But <laughs> right, no, no, I think so too. I think that's what it is. I think it's a play on the little mini cape. But at the but same time, I'm kind of with you. Piece, the the bandolier, not not a fan. Although I have seen shots with it without that part, and you know, I, I I'm still kind of on the fix for it. I like it, but at the same time, I'm kind of almost in agreement with you. About it being kind of. I busy. mean, it's it looks you know I I can see elements of this being incorporated into like a ceremonial uniform, but not you know a battle uniform. That's you know, and and as I said, I feel like so many costumes, the best costumes were streamlined be, in order to make artists' lives easier. Well, but hey, you know, at the same time, a, a good us can work with it, um, and I'm not saying there are, there are no. Well, we know there are some bad artists out there, but, you know, I feel like that, that shoulder thing is probably going to end up being bland. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. So, um, but the shoulder piece look like is definitely going to end up being like a shield, which is, you know, it, so basically what I can say is this, it is a functional, it looks to be a functional suit that T'Challa, you know, I it, he wouldn't just wear like a fashion plate suit. So I feel like everything, all of this is factional uh, functional in some way, shape, or form. Sure, so, of course. For that respect, I dig it. So, you know, I don't know the whole draped cowl thing. I don't know, but outside of that, I don't know. I, I'm I'm all right with it. Right. I mean, my 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 thing is, you know, the it's the reproducibility of it. That's why. I mean, mm. in 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 this day and age of computer assisted art, you never know. That might be the best part about it. They could just keep putting it on over and over again. Yeah. So. And the the proverbial figure that what might come out of this, I'm I'm thinking. Oh, apparently Eva Ewan was on the Today Show talking about it. Um, so which I need to look that up. So cool. Next up, uh, pink superstar artist Mark Brooks celebrates the X Men and uh, Avengers Incredible Legacies in stunning new corner box variant covers. Normally I would have put this in another section, but we would have not talked about it. But the reason why I put this in is because I miss corner boxes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also reminds me of something I kind of wanted to do for us, but that's a whole other thing. But yeah, so uh, says this was shown to retailers earlier uh, today or recently. Actually, no, that was yesterday. Um, at Comics Pro. The covers will feature eye-catching and classic-style corner boxes that depict lineups throughout Avengers and X-Men history, uh, starting with their original Silver Age rosters. On sale just in time for the two titles of Milestone's 60th anniversaries, which, by the way, Iron Man also celebrating 60 this year. Um, see one of the industry's most celebrated talent uh, talents honor the Avengers and X-Men's multitude of incredible characters with glorious headshots. Uh, Brooks's corner box variant covers will run on Jed McKay and C.F. Villa's new Avengers run and Jerry Duggan and Joshua Kassara's X-Men series throughout 2023. 
And then uh, it goes uh, in there with a, a, a quote from Mark Brooks. And if you're watching the video version, you can see at least one of the covers. I love Mark Brooks's art. Um, so this is, this is going to be some good stuff, I, I would like to believe. Um, so there's the original five X-Men, and, uh, and those are the only two covers we get so far. So cool. Next up. So in some pleasant news from the Marvel Legends corner of uh, Hasbro, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 figures were announced and we got some cool images. And what was announced was uh, a Mantis, a Peter Quill, uh, a Gamora, a Rocket, and a Drax the Destroyer. In the blue uniform, we also have the first for the first time a Kraglin, mm-hmm. and we have the new Adam, the new version of Adam Warlock. Surprisingly, although at the same time disappointingly, the builder figure is Cosmo the space dog. Oh come on! How is that disappointing? Cosmo Look at the, the space little dog. That's what's disappointing about it. Say so what? Uh, that's the one I really want, and it's the builder figure. <laughs> That's why I'm disappointed. Ah, That's why a lot okay. of people are disappointed. I Some you. people are disappointed because they don't like small builder figures. I'm disappointed because that's the figure I really want. I, I, I get that. And I get the fact that, yeah, small builder figures, I, I definitely get that. Because it's like, what's the point in doing that, uh, that smaller figure for a bigger figure? I get that. Um, I also have attached which uh, another article to that which gives a um um some more shots of the uh adam warlock figure because i had found that one first but then this other that article that uh that um that you just talked about presented itself so otherwise that they look you know cool figures no they're definitely good looking figures wait i don't see the gamora though no i didn't did i say gamora i I meant nebula Oh, okay. Yeah, it was a, yeah, there was definitely no no Gamora that the show. No, there's yeah. no Gamora because I think that's a spoiler. Yeah. Well, she was in the trailer, but yes, yeah, not everybody saw right, the trailer. but they're probably going to spoil like some kind of change in her look, maybe. Yeah. So, but yeah, the, the Guardians in a classic look. So, I I would still love the classic, the OG Guardians. I don't think they have uh, legends for those, do they? Well, they have. They've well, got they a just of them. they just announced the classic Yondu. Oh, did they? Mm-hmm. Oh wait, don't they have a? Is there a Starhawk? No, they did a okay. they did a classic uh, Vance. Oh, Vance Astro. Astro. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. They did a classic Vance Astro, and they they just announced. I, it might be an exclusive. I forget. I don't know if it's Target or not. You may want to look into that. Gotcha. The uh, Asa Gondu. Hmm. I might check that out. Um. Anyway, next up. Uh, Diamond Select toys in new stores: Cobra Kai and Vol- the Vulture. So apparently, there's some Cobra Kai figures. Uh, says here that Cobra Kai All Valley action figure box set, uh, which retails for forty bucks. It is Johnny Lawrence and Daniel Russo, um, seven inches, 16 points of articulation, and I already told the price. And there's also a vulture statue, uh, which is a diorama, a 10-inch diorama, 
features detailed sculpting and articulation. Comes packaged in a full color box window like the previous one. Uh, designed by Caesar, sculpted by Alterion, and sells for 60 bucks. So, there you go. Next up. Mad Cave is set to publish Winx Club graphic novels. So, uh, Mad Cave Studios has made a deal with the Rainbow Group to publish the Wings Club graphic novels, the middle grade titles will be published under the Paper Cuts imprint and the young adult graphic novels as part of their Maverick line. The series is set in a magical universe and stars a girl named Bloom and her friends who become fairies when called upon to fight villains. You know, uh, let's, that old chestnut. Let's see if there's any other pricing. Da, da, da. No, that's it. Yeah. Last but not least, we have a preview for uh, The Neighbors, which weirdly enough reminds me of this week's uh, Darkwing Duck uh, in the way this title um, is is laid out. But um, so announced a few months ago, The Neighbors is a new five issue limited series published by Boom Studios by Judd Ellison S. Doyle uh, with artist Leticia Conda. Keronika of House of Slaughter and Ma, uh, and color is Alessandro Satori, Sotorio, excuse me, uh, says here that, um, well, it gives a description of the miniseries uh, about a couple that moves into a quaint mountain town with their daughter and, and uh, they become a part of a horrific chain of events that reveal that their neighbors are anything but what they seem. Uh, says soon an unsettling woman named Agnes early fixates on Janet and Oliver's other daughter to your to your old Isabel. And it goes on from there. So the this there's some preview art in this article if you're interested in that. And the issue itself comes out on March twenty second. So there you go. Um, and that, folks, is the end of the news. We get one last ad read. Oh, no. Oh. No, 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 we're good, but <laughs> I made a slip of the tongue. <laughs> you know what we read when it's late. We're tired. Keep our podcast free by shopping at Amazon. Visit CSPN.us and click on the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down and click on the Amazon link to shop. Purchase items from Amazon as you normally would, whether it's books, music, electronics, jewelry, apparel, or Marvel Legends. For every purchase made on Amazon through our link, Amazon sends the CSPN a payment that helps us keep the Comic Book Chronicles podcast free for our listeners at no extra cost to you. Amazon.com through CSPN.us. Do it today! Alrighty, folks, and that brings us to the end of this here show. Thank you, each and every one of y'all, for coming out. Next week is going to be interesting because we have the first episode of The Mandalorian Season 3, in addition to uh, Star Trek Picard Season 3, and uh, some more Bad Bastard going through. And that's just for starter, in addition to whatever books come out that week. Right, uh, and the week after is going to be even crazier. Because we will have had the opportunity to watch some Demon Slayer. We will have had the opportunity to watch some Attack on Titan. 
Well, one of us will anyway. <laughs> hey, we'll see. I don't know if I'm. Uh, I, I'm. I am tempted to to uh, to go to that showing, but we'll see how that works right. out. I mean, well, I won't. You know, no spoilers, folks. We'll just you know rip, you know talk about it in general. Absolutely, in very yeah. general terms. Absolutely. And on that note, uh, I have been Rydicat. You can find me at Rydicat on Twitter. You can find me at News Nurse Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. Agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. PC underscore Dirt on Twitter. PopCultureNet on Twitter. PopCultureNetwork.com is on Brilla site therein. Tim D-O-G-G-9-8 on Twitter. CB Cron on Twitter, which is the Comic Book Chronicles Twitter account. Uh, the Click Nation on Twitter, which is T H E K L I Q N A T I O N, all one word. TheClickNation.com also, but mostly you can find him over at uh, uh, ComicBook.com, where he's over there writing his face off under Tim Adam, Timothy Adams. Go check out, go check out his stuff, folks. You can find this here podcast on the Coastal of the Podcast Network. That's ESPN.us. Do it today. You can also find uh, this podcast on your podcast personal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the Coastal of the Podcast Network SoundCloud page. Uh, you can find us recording every, mostly every Thursday night, 9.30-ish p.m. Uh, on the uh, YouTube channel of the, the Click Nation. That's the YouTube.com slash the Click Nation and twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles. Make sure to hit like and subscribe and hit the notification button. But of course, tis the season and when whenever we go on movie protocol, you can definitely check us out on our uh, aforementioned uh, uh, Twitter social media accounts. So. Yep. With that, folks, uh, we'll be back next week for another show, which is, like I said, going to be a good, interesting time. Uh, This has been... We're going to do our best to streamline things as best we can and not spoil too much. Oh, and indeed, indeed. Um, This has been the the Cumber Chronicles. Peace. Peace one. Almost over, y'all. I really stand. Uh, uh, uh. Lights out, out. Good evening, Rick. Would you believe?